Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk, at AM 1600, K-I-B-A-B-Q.F-M, Rock of Talk. Talk down 550-5500 is not the call this afternoon here in the Kiva. Good to here. Here by my side. On a steel horse I ride. We're wanted. Yeah, I guess you guys want us dead or alive or right here in the Kiva. Uh, no fun about that. We're on 103 murderers. Uh, the latest one coming in last night. Uh, we'll talk about that. Went to the scene up the street from where I'm at. Uh, good man, good family. Opened his business back in 1988. And, uh, you know, he's a... Uh, Rosario was a testy guy. You know, he wasn't going to take anything sitting down. Came from a good family. Probably one of the, the best, better guys in the community, really. And uh, made a top 100 pizza in the entire uh, country. Yes. And uh, he... I went to go scrap the Facebook of the guy who killed him. Boy, scum of the earth. That's what the uh, Democrats love here. No talk about that, uh, anything. And uh, we lost uh, one of our very best amongst us. Yeah, literally the best pizza maker in town now. Um, so there you go. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. For those of you who are at rockoftalk.chat, you got the free preview. Uh, Del Norte was on lockdown. Yes, I'm aware. A minute so from when it all happened. It looks like uh, they found the casings. There was shootings. It doesn't look like there's any. Uh, we've got Murder Mike on the scene over there, and uh, we're going to get on that uh, as well. So uh, lots and lots to get to. Hour one. Dowd, how are you? I'm well. Uh, sister and brother-in-law uh, flew out early this morning, and I said goodbye to them late last night, and I had a little little misty eyes going on uh, for the sister and brother-in-law. We had a great vacation, and I'm going to see them in June when our nephew graduates high school. So it's not too far off. There you go. Um, they escaped with their lives. They like to think they, they can only imagine. <laughs> Got out of their... New Mexico. They weren't shot. They, they weren't robbed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, it's it's that way. But hey, folks, you know, front page of the Albuquerque Gay Journal tomorrow will be Michelle Lujan Grisham in a pink dress. Muslims uh, to her right of her. Uh, black people to the left of her. All designed for the ultimate impact diversity effect. And she thinks that uh, we're coming for the third term abortions uh, and going to take that. I, I don't know, privilege out of the way. She is absolutely committed. Uh, that's the front page of the Albuquerque Journal right now. Didn't have enough time to really sort of sift uh, through that. But uh, abortion should be front and center and should be a key issue. I think that, uh, as we talked about yesterday, as a, you know, a very surprising poll that you must pay attention to. Uh, we're going to kick it off uh, right now with the FBI. For those who've got the notes, uh, hey, follow along. You know, picture pages, picture. You remember? Fun with your pens and pencils. Remember, I used to to go with uh, Bill Cosby. Oh, Bill Cosby over at the library. Get your picture pages, follow along, do the show, and that's the way it is. So that's that's what we're doing for our subscribers. They literally got everything. They got top to bottom, all of the notes uh, for the show. I know Dowd's very proud and very excited about that. Plus, we did a little video preview. Dowd Dowd enjoyed that uh, as well. We're we're moving in some new directions over the next couple months, and I think, folks, you're going to like what you see. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, More stuff. And thanks to our uh, guys who contributed in the Kiva who made it all possible. Now we can take the next step forward. So we got as much as we possibly can. I said we'd start on new on September number one. Murder Mike is listening, so he'll be giving us updates as he's seen it. President Joe Biden on Tuesday railed against the MAGA Republicans, that's you and me, boys and girls, who have refused to condemn the January 6, 2021 assault. Now, for those of you, this is why I put that information out there. Epic Times, become a, become a subscriber, please. 
the real story behind January 6th. You saw the two people who were murdered, both female and both MAGA supporters. They're targeting <clears throat> assault on the U.S. Capitol. We are, we are, you and me, we are targeting the FBI. That's what we're doing. We're, we're going to take them. Oh, they're not afraid of us. We're afraid of them. We need to get restraining orders on the public. It's sickening to see the new tax on the FBI threatening the life of law enforcement and their families for simply carrying the law and doing their job. They are not carrying the law and they are not doing their job. If they were doing their jobs, we wouldn't be bitching and moaning, complaining. And if they were actually carrying the law, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are in. Look at what is happening to Donald John Trump. No bueno. Okay. So uh, like these kind of crazy rants that he's going towards, the, you know, you're not going to see much of this guy, thankfully. Uh, I think he's got a big launch on uh, what the 14th. Uh, that is Joe. They're, they're trying to keep him out of sight. They're acting like they want him front and center, but honestly, they, they really don't. They don't want this guy front and center because he's bad for them. If you think you're safe, you are not. Think about a threat issued by Donald Trump. If he were to say, well, hey, if you think that you're safe, LGBTQ, you are not. If, if you think that you're safe, Black Lives Matter, you are not. He never went to those directions. In fact, you could very much that he was the first black president. He had more uh, uh, people of the LGBTQ community. Wow, that's hard to get out. Uh, than uh, certainly uh, his predecessor, certainly more than George Bush and as many as uh, Barack Obama. Yes, folks, he did. Look at some of the people who jumped in his corners. Pretty amazing. So I don't know how far this rage is going to go from the left. At what point it's going to stop. But you must be prepared. Okay, because they are now taking on their own fire and telling their own agents, you must resign, you're going to get fired. And if you protected Hunter in the past, we can't protect you anymore because this is how bad it is. An FBI agent under fire for Hunter Biden whistleblower claims says that he has resigned. This is coming out yesterday. You've got the link if you're a subscriber. Okay, Tim Thibault. Alt, leave FBI. Uh, hopefully, I'm getting that uh, name uh, right. Tebow, Tebow. I, I've read is the proper. Really? Uh, when the lawyers released their statement, uh, very friendly and helpful to the media, they, they explained to the media how to pronounce their Oh, name. thank you. I don't want to have any more disrespect. <laughs> don't make the lawyers FBI. angry. Yeah, don't, don't make the FBI angry. The assistant special agent in charge of the Washington field office was not fired, not forced to retire, and not asked to retire. Lawyers representing him from Morrison and Forrester said in a statement issued on Twitter, Tebow's lawyers strongly rejected early reporting that Tebow's departure from the FBI suggested he was forced out and was seeing being escorted out of the bureau's headquarters on Friday. And there is video of that. On his last day as part of his processing, Tebow turned in his security badge, walked into two time, two longtime special agent friends through the field office to finish processing his paperwork. He walked out of the building by himself. Claims to the contrary are false. Nothing to see here. Okay, well, we know that there's plenty to see there because we're paying attention to it and it's there. This anti-Trump anti FBI official not was just re reportedly escorted. There's pictures, there's videos, there's photos. Mm -hmm. He allegedly interfered with the assessment of the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. That's right, folks. He was right in the middle of that. According to Just the News and GOP Senator Chuck Grassley's office said whistleblowers alleged Tebow withheld 
The fact that his evidence was derived in substantial part from the information from a left-aligned organization. Oh, oh, the FBI is most definitely for hire. You know that? We've known that for a long time. Heck, look at Mar-a-Lago, okay? He wanted to stonewall the Hunter Biden probe top to bottom, okay? His attorneys released the statement, and of course they're going to say that he walked out the door and everything is just fine. We know everything to the contrary, okay? This was the guy who opened the Trump investigation, folks. Could be anybody be more political than that? Stonewalling uh, FBI and, or stonewalling the Hunter Biden or uh, stonewalling the uh, the Hunter Biden investigation, opening up the Trump investigation. Isn't that the linchpin right there? I think that's it. What the FBI is doing to combat election fraud? ASAC Tim Thibault, Thibault from FBI, let's see if I get this right, WFO, t- talks about our role investigating federal election crimes. Who are those crimes being committed by? Oh, yeah, that would be one Donald J. Trump. Thibault opened all of that. This is very interesting news. We'll talk more about that after we get back from a quick break. More on the FBI and Donald Trump when we return here on AM1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, RockOfTalk.com. Also get an update from Murder Mike and see what's going on out at Del Norte. No more cops, nothing there. Nothing to see here any longer. So everything's been cleared. Seat has been cleared. Albuquerque is safe again. <laughs> no, we know it's not. It's bad. And uh well, we will get into more of the crime a little bit later uh on in the show. Covered a lot about that. Uh, the criminals, are they the politicians or are they the actual criminals? Well, we can't tell them apart nowadays, Dowd. Uh, in fact, uh, even in the federal government, uh, the violators of the Hatch Act, like Mr. Tebow, mm. Uh, and the Hatch Act is what again, Dad? Uh, 1939, can't believe anything good was ever passed during the Roosevelt administration, but it was the federal law limiting uh, the political activities of federal employees. And I believe there's even an extension for federally funded uh, local and state employees as well, purpose to ensure that federal programs are administered in a nonpartisan uh, fashion. Uh, by the way, Eddie, uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't read Charles Grassley's quote. You want to talk about one of the least partisan people alive as it relates to, to FBI uh, Special Agent Tebow. I mean, Grassley is about as, as aggressively MAGA or aggressively conservative, as aggressively Republican as uh, this microphone. Uh, they issued a statement, Mr. Tebow's blatant partisanship undermined the work and reputation of the FBI. This type of bias in high-profile investigations casts a shadow, shadow over all of the Bureau's work that he was involved in, which ranged from opening an investigation into Trump based on liberal news articles to shutting down investigative activity into Hunter Biden that was based on verified information. When you have Grassley speaking in these terms, Eddie, uh, there's a there's a problem in federal law enforcement, a big one. Well, is this considered violating the Hatch Act? If you did both sides, if you were politically motivated, we covered you know two such people. 
uh, both part of the CIA who are uh, special agents involved with uh, things. And, you know, their Twitters are loaded uh, full of political stuff and they are federal employees. So no doubt they would be a violation, I believe, right? In the Hatch Act, if, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're doing that as well. Here's Tim Tebow. <laughs> I'm just going to call him that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't believe I'm having to say this. <laughs> Literally, got, the guy's name is Tim Tebow. He's He's being sacrilege uh, to Tebow fans uh, everywhere. In his own words, on what is the FBI doing to combat election fraud? This is official FBI video. The FBI is charged with protecting the rights of all Americans, including their right to vote. While the responsibility to ensure a fair election process lies primarily at the state and local level, the FBI takes allegations of election-related violations of federal law seriously. The FBI investigates federal election crimes that generally fall into three categories, campaign finance crimes, mm. voter ballot fraud, mm-hmm. and civil rights violations. What about FBI agents? The FBI, Washington Field Office, works with our state and federal partners to engage with other law enforcement partners and provide resources about the FBI's role in elections. Well, I don't know. Can you say that uh, these elections are not fair, are completely controlled? Well, there is Tim Tebow in his own words after he decided to quash the Hunter Biden investigation and not look into election fraud. There he is. What are they doing? They're doing nothing is what they're doing. Okay. And now you've got Merrick Garland, the AG, also affiliated with obviously the Department of Justice itself, has banned all political appointees of the Justice Department from participating in political campaign events. Uh, doesn't that, at the very core of the Hatch Act in general, why would we even have to say that? Why should he have to come out and say it? Because all of these federal agents, if you're on the federal dole, you cannot at any point be involved in anything involving elections. Why do you have to come out and say it? Changing a longtime policy at an agency under intense political scrutiny. What, what policy was that? in violation of the law. Garland says we must do all we can to maintain the public trust and ensure that politics, both in facts and appearance, do not compromise or affect the integrity of our work. Well, let's just go back and look at 2020. Is this also part of a cover-up? I think so. In fact, that's exactly what they write in Red State. It smells like a cover-up. Here it is. We've been seeing a lot of FBI folks coming forward. It starts out to blow the whistle on the politicization of the Bureau, including accusations that they've been biased and shutting down lines of investigation against Hunter Biden and opening them regarding President Donald Trump. We saw that one person accused of bias by the whistleblowers has now been shown the door, and that is Tim Tebow. So here we are. But it goes beyond that, right? Social media. Where did the FBI go? The FBI went directly to Mark Zuckerberg. They went to Twitter. They said, well, there could be impropriety. I mean, those got to be jaw-dropping. I think you've seen the Joe Rogan interview by now, right, Doubt? I have indeed. In which he, Zuckerberg admits that the FBI... They didn't, as trying to be responsible big tech, they didn't go to the FBI. Apparently, the FBI, unsolicited, went to one of the most powerful communication platforms in this country. Folks, uh, I, I, I don't like the, the word censorship being casually thrown around because private, private people can do what they want. When the government, unsolicited, goes to a private communications provider, you're really getting into real censorship there. I mean, you are walking a line, a very thin line, and probably crossing that line. And this is exactly why, and that's the town hall. The town square over the last two elections, 2016 and 2020 was what? It was Twitter, it was Facebook, it was where everybody went to have their conversations. People lost friends, people were getting banned. All these things were happening. We were getting shadow banned. It's like, oh, I don't even know what that means, but that sounds cool. Sounds like a real American there. 
The same uh, very fair-minded Chuck Grassley is now demanding that CEO Mark Zuckerberg provide them with communications between U.S. government, FBI, DOJs, and employees from, and from Facebook regarding Hunter Biden and Russian disinformation. The next step is going to be the 2020 elections. That's the next step, step that's coming. This is what Grassley is looking for, ladies and gentlemen. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York yeah, Post. Yeah, we too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI. I think basically came to us. Uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. See, all this gray area that Zuckerberg's talking about, this is what Grassley's after. He's going to want to know everything that we expounded upon last Thursday and again today. And they're going to want to go into deep detail and understand this. We're, we're talking about uh, actual reviews, sending Mark Zuckerberg back into Congress to testify yet again in front of a committee. That's where we want Zuckerberg. That's where the Republicans want them. And that's, of course, going to lead back to the 2020 election. We'll let Mark try to, you know, uh, punch his way out of a, an ironclad paper bag here. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when you um, say the distribution has decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, you're going to know exactly how meaningful it was. If Grassley has his way, and this is why the elections matter, it's to know how much you your voice has been squashed. Remember. The Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of these organizations don't own you, owe you a free amendment um, and the First Amendment. They don't owe you free speech, I should say. OK, so these senators don't understand anything about Facebook other than it's a place where people exercise opinions. What they're about to find out is when they come forward is that no one can trust these platforms any longer. And even today, yes, Donald Trump's Truth Social Network got banned off of the Google App Store at the very same time this is happening. And just so you know how the Democrats play, they take the preemptive strikes of knowing what you are going to do to them, which is ban them, shut them down, take away their profits. They handed the election. The FBI and other operatives handed the election by suppressing your information and very likely, based upon what Tim Tebow was saying, and no, not the football player, I got to reiterate that. It's so weird to say. What he said in like, we're keeping the elections honest. But when they're asking and demanding for communications from the FBI over Hunter Biden laptop story comes out, it's not just the elections. It's actually the presidency himself. Here's what happened. 
On the heels of all of that, a Secret Service official at the center of the explosive January 6th hearing dispute also leaves the agency, getting reported nowhere in mainstream media. All of a sudden, Tony Ornato, assistant director of the agency responsible for the president's protection, stepped down, tendered his resignation Monday. I long plan to retire. Don't they all say that? Is that the official thing? Spend more time with my family. Mm, yeah. You want to go ahead and uh, live a more balanced life. The aide, Cassidy Hustenson, claimed Ornato told her that Trump became irate in a colorful account of the events related to the day. Oh, we're never going to be able to get him to testify on record. And he's probably going to take leave because now, as a federal official, he's got some blood on his hand. Did you actually say this? Is this the information that you said? They were commenting on you. Cassidy Hutchinson was basically reiterating third party everything you said and testified. We had this whole pomp and circumstance so we could go ahead and watch her. I don't know, because she's beautiful and she's dumb and she's a traitor to Donald Trump. This is why Donald Trump yesterday demanded to be named the rightful winner as the FBI agents leave of the 2020 race between him and Joe Biden. He said this on his Truth Social page, which is now off of all Android and Google platforms. The presidential election was badly and irreparably tainted by the FBI's fake description of the laptop from hell to Facebook. Remember, that happened three weeks before the election in the lamestream media for many other reasons as well. Declare the rightful winner or hold a new election now. Our country, which is failing badly, knows the score and will never accept criminal election interference by the FBI. The FBI just fired its special agent in charge of this outrageous and very illegal assault on the Constitution of the United States of America. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva. Thanks for tuning in. going to impact the election what is it going to mean for us are uh, we've got all the pieces that seem to be all crumbling apart right but well, i guess uh, at this point democrats can call two quarters of negative uh, or no growth negative growth not a recession they've been able to redefine that they've been able to go ahead and uh, flip the script on us and uh, decide to i don't know was anybody ever criminalized or criminally penalized for the uh, breaking of uh, something that was decided back in December, which was the Roe v. Wade decision and leak that, you know, someone should be prosecuted for that. Well, we're not going to find that. You know, we found out about Pottinger, how the whole entire thing with the Wuhan virus came out. I think, Dowd, you're still uh, hot on the trail of yeah. that particular thing. Uh, that, that's got to be pretty, you know, eye-opening. And then we're finding that the people who are helping uh, Joe Biden all along are getting rewarded every step of the way. <laughs> the latest one, uh, Jeremy Bash. Right. And then, of course, you got the news media, the propagandists uh, who are out there who are just trying to, you know, scrunch every last little bit of optimism that we might actually have on our side and say, well, well, the polls are showing that the Democrats are winning. And then I'm starting to listen to Newt Gingrich last night. Then I'm starting to look at other things. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at a brand new poll. I thought Herschel Walker was going to lose to Raphael Warnock. Oh, contraire, this does not look good for Warnock. Emerson College has Walker leading Warnock. By 46-44 in Georgia. I think the people are waking up. I think the samples, much like the one that was in the Albuquerque Journal just a couple of days ago, just kind of took me for a little bit of a dive because I thought it was ours to lose. And then it says 47-40. 
by the way, I'll tell you a letter I had to write the Bernalillo County Republicans uh, today and, you know, how they're just continue to try and shoot them in the foot. But I digress. Walker leads Warnock among rural, 58-24. Warnock leads Walker, 66-25 among urban. In the burbs, voters are breaking for Walker by a nine-point margin, 50-41. to 41. Independents from the suburbs are what's going to change the New Mexico election. It's what's going to change any election in the country. By the way, those are financially independent people who work in the private sector and aren't that politically active. They just pay attention. They're sort of the old wise men that sit uh, up there. So is the red wave, is the red wave really ebbing? And the answer is probably not because it is a Hail Mary pass for the Democrats with every issue, every crisis, every self-victimization. Remember now we're on the attack. We're attacking IRS agents. We're attacking FBI. Hey, well, we haven't yet to do any of that. We're still afraid of all those people. What they might do to us, certainly Donald Trump, does that does that look like he's attacking the FBI? Seems to be like, oh, wait, I invade your house, but I'm somehow uh, Donald Trump's attacking the FBI. Did you see that? Like they invaded his house, didn't provide a legitimate reason when they came out. Joe Biden pops out. I thought he didn't have an opinion, didn't know the very first thing. He pops out yesterday and says, well, we're all attacking the FBI. Seems to be that he knew a lot about what was happening as it was happening. You know what? You know what? What? What really sucks about us on the right is we're too darn nice. We are too darn nice. We play by the rules. We want to think that everything is fair. You know what? They don't care about things being fair. This is why power matters. The article that we shared with you, the right needs to stop being principled losers for the left. In contrast, it's all about power, and that's why they often win. It's exactly why they win. They play to win. They don't play, uh, as we oftentimes thought, well, he's in that uh, prevent defense, playing not to lose. Uh, preventing what? You're not in the lead. We don't have the House. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the executive. You're lucky. The only lead we have right now is that Donald Trump is still the main topic of conversation, and we have a 6-3 lead in the Supreme Court. A few examples should convince, they write, all but those who refuse to believe their own eyes. Number one, the weaponization of the FBI and the Justice Department. Why didn't Donald Trump? Why don't the Republicans? Why don't we do that? Oh, because we're law and order. Yeah, we're not going to cheat to win. We don't leverage that, too. The Russia hoax. We don't manufacture stories unless we can actually provide concrete evidence. The left just does it like, oh, well, let's just invent this and get our friends over at CNN, MSNBC to go ahead and push it out there. And three, the manipulation of the 2020 elections by suppressing information unfavorable to current Joe Biden, his son's Hunter's laptop, and his own corruption. That happened just a couple of weeks before the election. Bobolinsky, all the information that came out in October of 2020, right there. And what do we have done? Nothing. We've got nothing to show for it. Every single time the Democrats think that they're about to lose they do something even more fantastic in their own minds. They must walk into their own parties like, can you believe we got away with that? I can't believe we just did that and everybody believed us. Uh, the great one himself, Rush, used to say the philosophy of the Clinton administration was, how can we fool him today? <laughs> he wasn't far off. <sighs> well, what more surprises, Dowd, should we expect going into the very end? These last... 75, 80 days, the grandstanding, the self-victimization, you know, the calling the kettle black, everything that, uh, that, that we're supposedly doing, they're the ones that are actually doing it themselves. 
folks, if you can't have a reasonable conversation and you don't have law and order, you don't have election rules and things aren't fair, everything eventually will denigrate into a forced situation. We are at that point, according to 40% of Americans who now believe that civil war is imminent. Self-identified strong Republicans are the most likely to believe the nation is headed towards a bloody strife. 21% believe civil war is very likely within the next 10 years. I don't care to know what that looks like. I don't know if that's on social media. I don't know if that's, you know, leveraging the bureaucracies, which is what, you know, certainly um, the Democrats want to do by you know, leveraging 87,000 IRS agents to go through and attack and find and, hey, all you have to do is comply. Okay, well, <laughs> why do you need to hire so many all of a sudden? Why do you need to hire twice as many than what you currently have? Here's the flip side of the Democrats. 14% of strong Democrats responded that civil war within the decade was very likely. Well, who would be answering that? Those would be the people that are forcing the LGBTQ, the woke politics, the people who took down the obelisk, the people that created fake hate crimes at the India palace. Yeah, those are the people who are so committed to their agenda that are so blind, they want a civil war. They want a civil war. That's the way to read that. 14% of progressives, or excuse me, of people on the Democrat side want a civil war. Bring you down to their level. This is from an Economist YouGov poll, so it's pretty legit. 1,500 U.S. adults. Republicans were more likely to than Democrats say the nation has become more politically divided, probably because they're more realistic. If you're a Democrat, by and large, you're saying, well, just get along with us. Hey, stay united. Be New Mexico united. Hey, we do this together. We're in this together. Well, don't you think about other people's health? Why don't you put on the mask? Take the vax. If you just did it, if you cooperated, we'd just fine. If not, we're just going to take you out the back with the Gestapo. And I think we can actually say that out loud now. We can literally say the Gestapo word. Because that is who is out. They're just known by an entirely different name. Three-letter agencies, right? We're seeing them. That's the new Gestapo for our country. Lindsey Graham warned there will be riots in the streets. Very foolish. Very, very foolish thing for Lindsey Graham to say. Okay? That's just giving Joe Biden the low-hanging fruit. Hey, are you stoking those fires as a senator? Are you telling people to riot in the streets? See, that's what's directly inferred right there. And that was easy. And I feel like sometimes Lindsey Graham, with the way that he's behaved, I think Dowd would agree, and he has no uh, dog in the hunt on this, uh, in the fight on this one, but he's controlled opposition. He's controlled opposition. He pulls triggers at certain things, grandstands, so he seems like he's on your side. You know, saw the big nothing burger Kavanaugh jumped in and said, okay, well, that made for great TV, and that'll earn me my good conservative points for the next four to six years and get me reelected. I won't have to work that hard. He said on Fox News, by the way, Graham and Fox News both controlled opposition. Don't pay attention either. Most Republicans, including me, believe when it comes to Trump, there is no law. It's all about getting him. Okay. Flip that around the other way. He also doesn't believe in Trump. He believes in himself. And he wasn't there to help Donald Trump the entire time. So what happens, and I pushed this out yesterday, what happens if we win the House in Washington, D.C.? We told you we're already going to go into a depression by the time we hit the first quarter of next year. Okay, there's not going to be positive growth through the third and fourth quarter. There just isn't. And if there is, then I, I imagine Biden's going to take credit for that. But they, the numbers are already there. We already know where their M2 is at. We're going to have six negative uh, uh, months of M2. I told Dowd why that was so important. It's because there's no, there's no money in the bank. 
Everyone's struggling. You just heard the credit card at the top of the hour, 13% more than it was last year. Father. The highest, the highest rate ever with the, with the interest rates jumping like that. Think Don't about that right now. Don't charge your groceries, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So Don't here's, lead to trouble. here's what's going to happen. Okay. The Republicans are going to go in and say, oh, we got the gavel. We got the war. We want to impeach Joe Biden. Do you really want to go in and impeach Joe Biden at a time when the country couldn't be in more disrepair? The answer is actually, the answer is actually yes. In Latin American countries, they call that a coup, okay? When you've got a man who is so unpopular and you just took over the house and it's the voice of the people and you're leading by 2025 and you have reason because they've covered up the Hunter Biden thing, then yeah, you just want to, you definitely want to impeach Joe Biden. Will it happen? Will it happen? No. The Democrats will remove their own before they get, you give, they get a chance before you I don't know. You get the chance to impeach him. They'll remove their own. They'll replacement, replace him midterm. That's what's going to end up happening. If he becomes too big of a slaughter for them, this is why he's constantly sick or he's on the sidelines or, you know, there's no real talk about 2024 at all. This election is not going to be on the watch of Joe Biden. This election is going to be on the watch of Michelle and Barack Obama. And they're going to be calling the shots as to what happens. They're playing the long game and they're looking at 24 and they're seeing who they're going to square up against in 24. And that's the way that this whole thing is going to play out. Republicans are going to get as much blame as the Democrats for the bad economy of next year. You're going to hear all about the bailouts. And then, you know, in the midst of all that, we're still going to be talking about, yep, none other than Donald Trump. Hard to believe. No matter what, come hell or high water, we're always talking about Donald Trump. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva. issue that Dowd and I uh, disagree on is uh, I'm not an open borders guy, but Dowd not, isn't an open borders guy necessarily as well. He's a law and order guy. There's a good way to process, got to have the ability to throw the ball as well as catch it, I guess you could say. You know. um, there's lots of arguments about this stuff lately. Uh, a nice little sparring session uh, as outlined by the Daily Caller. Jean-Pierre uh, spars with Ducey over the CDC guidance for illegal immigrants versus all other travels. I'm sure you've seen it, right? You know, the, the back and forth between them. It's, it's actually pretty, pretty funny uh, between them. Walked two. away not taking your question, Peter, but I would take your question. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Different topic. Okay. How come migrants are allowed to come into this country unvaccinated, but world-class tennis players are not? Are you, you're talking about which world-class tennis player? Novak Djokovic. Oh, wow. So, as far that's a uh, real diversity there by the way down uh, mm. flushing meadows uh, not knowing that uh, the best player in the world can't come in and which one uh, I thought the wait, love Ven- tennis. I venus thought... and serena williams you know I'm oh she knows you. who they are I oh i guarantee that, that. Yeah, but, uh, but let's let, let's hear this you know just to just since you asked about me about him yes me about him so visa records oh, she already knew who the him was you didn't have to actually clarify are confidential under u.s law uh, therefore, the U.S. government cannot uh, discuss the details of individual visa cases uh, due to privacy reasons. The U.S. government also just like HIPAA law with uh, regard nice to you know, whether nice or not we're going to yeah, yeah. does not comment on medical information of individual travelers as it relates to uh, the tennis uh, the tennis play, uh, player. 
look, uh, those the questions regarding vaccination requirements is, is, is I defer you to CDC. This is a CDC uh, requirement for foreign nationals. Uh, this is something that they decide. Uh, okay, so good. We got CDC. Uh, so this is CDC. So I guess we need to be asking about what's going on at the border when we have an unbelievable surge of illegal immigrants. Are all these people? Where does uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky stand up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where are we with? Any of this at this point? Are these people being checked and vetted? Chief Raul Ortiz said under oath that President Biden's border policies have no consequences for illegal immigrants traveling into the U.S. And they're to blame for the unprecedented surge at the border and the release of hundreds of thousands into the interior of the country. No, uh, no idea whether or not they're vaxxed, uh, whether they're coming in a certain way, if they're a health risk. But Novak Djokovic uh, definitely can't come in. He has more than 31 years of experience, this guy. He told attorneys representing Florida that he believes... Migration will increase at an exponential rate in the southern border because there are no consequences in place to curb the tide of migrants flooding into the U.S. He says, in my experiences, we have seen increases when there are no consequences. And that's exactly what is happening because these people feel like they can just, as you know, they're saying, just Ducey said, just walk in. Well, Eddie, you know, I yep. think the chief, it's important to make a point here on, on yep. Hatch Act and on, on people uh, participating in politics while they're in the federal government. This is a deposition, and I assume it's a sworn deposition. This is government fighting is, government yeah. with the Florida AG suing the federal government. So the chief is just responding in his professional capacity to these questions and judges don't look uh, too con- kindly on, uh, you know, perjury. So I, I, anybody trying to make an accusation that he's become some sort of oh, MAGA activist, yeah. I think is a, is a false, false accusation. Began his career with Border Patrol back in 91. Uh, I don't, I could go on forever about, about all the honors and, and all the things that have come his way. Prior to Border Patrol, U.S. Army's 8th Infantry Division in Germany uh, attended the University of Texas, San Antonio, oh. and Southwest Texas Junior College, okay. completing studies in political science and criminal justice. So, you know, folks, you know I rarely speak well about federal employees, but I, you know, the chief, I think, can be trusted. His, his professional judgment probably can be trusted on this issue. Yeah, I think uh, what we didn't need to do the entire time was uh, seal the borders. And I think that he would agree because he's saying it's un- unprecedented and nearly 2 million and between monkeypox and Wuhan and, well, the required vaccinations and masking and well, just the general downturn of the economy of what's happening, even though Biden won't acknowledge that. Uh, not a good thing for us to absorb. Well, and I would just say the chief, the chief's phrase, we will see this continuing to increase because there are, uh, quote, no consequences, no consequences, close quote. Well, as you think, indicated, it's you, in that, that describes life in America today, right. not just the border. It describes everything. There are no consequences. Well, you you, you are indicating uh, that this wasn't a sworn deposition, and that is there. So this is uh, about an actual case uh, yeah. that he is having to testify for. So, yes, it is uh, apolitical. That means it includes everybody. Democrat, Republican, can we absorb? And uh, what place could be more Democrat than, let's say, New York City? Well, they're not getting a rope to herd them. Uh, In fact, uh, New York is set to house the increasing number of migrants that are arriving by buses from, you guessed it, Texas? (laughs) That's right. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said nearly 7,600 migrants have now arrived in the Big Apple. He's complaining about it, okay, because his own officials are scrambling to find them housing. A New York City Council member has been fighting for a community and just celebrated a small win. Queens Councilwoman Vicky Palladino issued a statement praising the decision made by Eric Adams' office not to house the migrants bust in from Texas at a Queens hotel. (laughs) Wait, isn't that contrary to everything? You look up the Councilwoman, of course she's a Democrat. 
Wait, I thought, uh, what do you call those cities? Uh, sanctuary cities? Yeah, I forget. Uh, she's celebrating as a win. Uh, I thought the whole intent was to treat them as nice as possible. You certainly liked it. Uh, certainly, uh, Greg Abbott has called you out on that and uh, doesn't look like you are per per into that. You're more of that NIMBY crowd, as we like to call here, the Silver Hair Ponytail crowd, not in my backyard. Well, folks, if they're walking into the country and they are not held to the same and you know, they're not the criminal element necessarily. Okay. These are people who are looking for opportunity where they're paid to go over or whatever there, but there's a right and a wrong way to do it. The right people, especially the legal migrants are the first ones to go against illegal immigration. Why? Because they did it the right way and they fought through the system and it took them on average 11 to 13 years to go ahead and get it. When you bring the people in and just allow them to walk through and they're not able to take care of themselves, it creates a crisis and we're not getting the reports. Why? Because we're in an election year and they don't want this to reflect badly. They don't want another issue, to, another leg to have to stand on. They'd have to go ahead and have to pivot again. Now, New York City itself has a right to shelter requiring the city to find housing for an individual who requests it. Is that any individual? Uh, yes. Regardless of immigration status or residency, were you aware of that uh, doubt? No, that's only very a couple interesting. Cities have this, yeah. So if you're ever homeless, uh, you know where the place to go to is. Uh, the place to uh, to go to is New York City. So Abbott went to uh, Twitter on Saturday to defend his moves in busing migrants there. He doesn't have to defend his position if they have those laws and Texas doesn't, and they're coming through the border. And Eric Adams is all about Joe Biden. Then by all means, send them to New York City. So. The question about just walking in, is there any border security? Well, in the state of New Mexico, I think it's pretty fair to say no. I know that down in uh, Hidalgo County, I know that hundreds, if not thousands of illegal migrants walk back and forth. Commerce on one side, live on the other every single day. Is that not correct, Out? Uh, yes, indeed. Yep. So we have that. They it's go news to the press secretary, but but uh, <laughs> what would she know? That's a long way away from Washington. And remember, they they, they removed the 132 national. Uh, I'm not sure why that's not a campaign issue, but it should be. Mm. Talking about our uh, porous pores. So <clears throat> walking in, despite what Americans see daily on television, the Biden White House apparently wants you to believe that the people are not just walking across Southwest border. Kenin Jean Pierre told reporters on Monday that it's not happening. It's not like somebody walks over and that's not how she was responding to a question about the unvaccinated uh, people. So let me just lay this out. We have done under, just let, let me let you know what we have done under this administration. We've installed new border technology, set up protocols with Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We've already made 3,000 arrests in the first three months of launching an unprecedented anti-smuggling campaign. Da -da 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 -da, right? H2 visas, Los Angeles, they're just throwing everything out there. Now, What's really interesting on the front page of the uh, Wall Street Journal, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Sinaloa and the Jalisco cartels and what they're battling out and where they're having to go ahead and send all of their drugas to. Why are those battles so big? They're starving economically otherwise. They're having to send them north of the border because Texas is cut off and Arizona is cut off. So where are they coming through? They're coming here through the state of New Mexico. And every single thing that the federal government wants to run through, they're running through Michelle Lujan Grisham. Heck, even the politics. She's opening up more uh, abortion clinics. Uh, but I digress. Keeping the focus on immigration, you know that we are doing the federal government's bidding under Joe Biden to go ahead and keep those uh, uh, porous borders open and to keep those flows of drugs that are coming through. And according to <clears throat> one 
DCNF investigative reporter Jean Tier posted a video of migrants migrants literally walking across the border at a section where the border fencing is incomplete. Yep. Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, they're all points. What has Arizona committed to? It's absolutely amazing what they're doing. They're going to finish it off with, uh, what do you call those? those shipping containers. 53 yeah, foot shipping, uh, shipping containers. All It'll the way mess around in Arizona. <laughs> so uh, there you go, folks. 550, 50, 500. That's 550-5500. Uh, Eddie, Democrats always want dependency crises because those will turn people into welfare services. And in some cases, Crimes that they can be leveraged against the regular citizens as a demographic. When even when we are in the military, we are restricted from taking part in campaigns, etc. That's interesting. Uh, Eddie, the reason no hunter investigation is to erase all the big guy fingerprints. They don't care about hunters. Yes, civil war, brother against brother against brother. This is to create the downfall of the evil United States. The New York City homeless should protest in front of these hotels with signs say "Legals first, and we vote too." Maybe not a bad suggestion there by uh, your favorite rock of talk. Chat subscriber, uh, Steve Chavez there, right. good man. Uh, Dowd, your final thoughts to conclude hour one. Yeah, I, I just can't. Uh, uh, press secretary, if the president thinks that people aren't walking across the border, uh, sweetheart, I support immigration. People are hundreds, if not thousands, are walking across the border every single day. And I'm just going to close with Joe Biden's speech yesterday. He mentioned a cute baby in the crowd. How old are you? How old are you? Almost double figures. Apparently there was a nine-year-old girl that he stopped to recognize in the crowd. That is your president, your chief executive. Wow. Hour one in the box, hour two coming at you from the ABQ right here on AM 1600, KIBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. Hour two coming from the ABQ here in Kivon Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. You better download that app now. It's awesome. Uh, don't forget, you can Amazon. TVS, which is pretty cool. You just plug that little thing in the back and say, Mira, Mira, look, there he is. He's so big. How come he's so tall? Why is he so big? They don't make him that big here. No, they, they make him that big. 11 generations later, we get that big. Uh, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Get Spotify. What is that? Is that Joe Rogan stuff? Uh, Audible as well. Uh, don't forget, you could always download our app to rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And you got all the notes for today's show ahead of today's show. Uh, part of the new feature that uh, doubt is rushing out there. You get all the notes, all the links, everything that you need for our show prep. If you are only a subscriber, plus a little video preview, I thought that was pretty cool. Doubt and I doing a little raw, raw view there. Uh, it's, uh, it looks a little like band TV. Uh, doubt. How are you? Uh, I am well, and um, I am uh, considering whether to tell you what was a constant theme of our vacation over the last seven or eight days. Uh, sister and brother-in-law, Eddie, they enjoy the Española police blotter. And, um, Why? Every every time uh, we would see something we didn't understand or we had a question, uh, <laughs> one person in the car would say, Why? Why? Why is that? Why? 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 Get, get, get they what love do you want? the blotter. Love it. <laughs> Who doesn't love the Espa blotter? <laughs> well, even the people from Espa love 
love the Espen Blatter. You know who doesn't like the Espen Blatter? Jacobo Candelaria. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say that I, I wish I went to put something in the, the notes there. Uh, a little follow-up from yesterday from uh, Messi Tessie Mentis uh, out there, who's, you know, she, she doesn't really think about the news. I got that from her look. Uh, she doesn't really think about the news that she's reading. Uh, her whole thing is about intonation and, you know, impact and and her ability to connect. I think that's why KOB Channel 4 has her. Is she uh, she seems empathetic. Mm-hmm. She seems like she does care, but matronly. Yeah, she she <laughs> perfect. You na- nailed it. I will never have to insult her again because I can always just say matronly. Uh I don't think uh, most call me call me ma'am. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, here's a follow-up there with uh, Jacob Candelaria. I think uh, KOB Channel 4 did a, a great job uh, last night. Listen to all of this, and uh, we're going to open up the first two segments here. You've got to listen to drama queen, uh, Mr. Candelaria. Serious car crash involving a pretty high-profile local state senator. That would be State Senator Jacob Candelaria. He says that he's okay after his car flipped near Albuquerque's Old Town recently after he crashed into a family's three vehicles. But tonight, police lapel video shows the real damage in this crash and what officers found after that close call. Julie Friendak looked through all that footage for us tonight. So, Julie, I mean, there were a lot of witnesses to that crash. It just happened last Friday. Yeah, there were. It happened right in front of little Anita's. It almost wiped out a whole family. Multiple ones told police they watched Candelaria speed through a red light in Rio Grande and Mountain near Albuquerque's Old Town. Candelaria. Remember, he wasn't cited. He wasn't cited and he wasn't arrested. So also talks to police, telling them the same thing he told us last night. He suffered some kind of medical episode before the crash. Medical. Hello. Thankfully, no one was, including the driver of the flipped car, New Mexico State Senator Jacob Candelaria. He admits to the crash right away as Albuquerque police questioned him Friday night. Witnesses told APD they saw him speed down Mountain Road, run a red light, and hit three cars in a family's driveway before rolling his car into the street. Officer checked the car before asking Candelaria a few questions. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just really thankful. Okay. I'm just really grateful right now that I'm here. That's a hell of a crash. Oh I'm glad you're gosh. here, man. Was alcohol or drugs a factor today? No, sir. Candelaria later tells officers everything he says he remembers about the crash. The last thing I remember is I, I just like coughed, and then everything went dark. Oh, okay. Blacked out. Can we? Can we all agree? He blacked out. He doesn't remember. He coughed. All right. So there it is. There's the raw, his first comments. And remember, he doesn't, you know, you're going to hear from the cop now who's doing a ter- absolutely terrible job of this, of, of uh, you know, trying to make sure he's okay. His car didn't flip as one uh, listener just decided, uh, oh, yeah, Chris is already on it. Chris, you, you're nailed it, buddy. You're going to love this. Uh, <clears throat> oh, you guys, I, I, I don't even know why I do this, this, uh, our listeners already got where I'm going with this. Here, here. I know that I had seizures when I was a child. Oh. Sometimes I have like a neurologic tick. It's never manifest like this. Then multiple <laughs> witnesses go to the officers to share what they saw. This just happened so quick. We heard the acceleration. We heard the acceleration. We heard the acceleration. We heard the acceleration and looked and we saw he. Let's continue. 
You ran a red light. He's flooring that thing coming out of Little Anita's. He ran that red with a pedal to the floor. Crazy. He's very, very lucky. I've seen less significant crashes cause death. His car is upside down. Out, he flew right past. As soon as he walked out, he flew right past us. Almost killed these people. Going if he just took a shot in the dark. The officer. 70 miles an hour. He's flying through Central and Mountain at 70, excuse me, Rio Grande and Mountain at 70 miles an hour. The same question back to Candelaria. How fast do you think you were going? Honestly, officer, I don't recall. Hey, PD. Good, good, good attorney. Let's see what APD says. This person says officers did not notice any signs of impairment at the scene, so did not do a field I'm sorry, uh, Julie, would you like to repeat that, please? Test Friday night. They gave I, I didn't hear you, Julie. What did you say? person says officers did not notice any signs of huh? impairment at the scene, so okay. did not do a field sobriety test Friday oh, okay. night. Okay, okay. What, what so I, I didn't hear you. Julie, what did you say? An APD spokesperson says officers did uh, not notice any signs of impairment at the scene, so uh -huh. did not do a field sobriety test Friday night. Okay. So the officers didn't do their job. My, I don't want to read any of the text because I they had this all set up to go a particular way. Any accident of that significance, shouldn't exactly. it be kind of standard? I, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but it's a little disturbing. Uh, it's beyond disturbing. The entire community, it doesn't matter. If you're a politician, I mean, we can go back to Lawrence Rael. To, I don't know. What was the other? There's like everyone's, a, if you're a drunk Democrat in the state of New Mexico, you're getting off scot-free and you're not getting any field sobriety tests. But the moment you're a Republican, if it's me or, I don't know, take your pick of the Republican du jour, they're going to take them straight to jail immediately. Now, let's just hear about this drama queen before we get into where I'm going in the next segment. <clears throat> Here's what he's done over the last year and a half. He's constant drama. Well, I should say two years and a half, uh, going back to 2019. He uh, left the Democrat Party, registered as a declined to state independent. I'm now declined to state. Took on Michelle Lujan Grisham. I don't know why she didn't dispose of this piece of filth. Okay. He called partisanship, quote unquote, a virus in his deci decision to declare not, not to state. He's in pink news. Uh, you might remember gay senator forced into hiding after homophobic threats. Remember, he had that whole 911 drama. The police didn't show up. I hate the police. I hate the police are bailing you out, bro. The police basically just bailed you out. Police pinky promised the man who warned you we're going to get you. No one's coming after him. He got he got married a couple of years ago uh, to the son of Mr. Tillery, I guess. Who uh, a car dealership. Yeah. Eddie, the Albuquerque uh, Journal editorial even went after this guy at, over the hissy fit at his house. He called the cops to his house, and during the interaction at different times, right. he yelled at the officers, yelled. repeatedly reminded them that he was a state senator, and threatened to get the governor on the phone and eventually order them out because they weren't being, quote-unquote, helpful. That's right, yeah. I mean, this guy has totally and completely lost his marbles, and, and he's been dealing with uh, PTSD. Okay, now he's he's off his meds, or was he? That's where we're going to go next, because you know where exactly this goes, and you're going to see why he was behaving the way that he was behaving here. And we're going to talk more about this in depth and just ask some questions right here on the Kiva. AM 600 KIVA.
Candelaria is going places, uh, yeah, no no politicians seemingly has gone before, like through intersections at 70 miles an hour and totally blacked out and doesn't know why. Kind of weird. <laughs> kind of strange. Eddie, I come from uh, uh, southern New England, the origin of Lyme disease. Uh-huh. Uh, we have dog ticks and deer ticks in Connecticut in the woods and the orchards of Connecticut. Uh, we don't have neurologic ticks. I'm, I'm wondering... Yeah. What, what the senator thinks a neurologic tick is. Uh, I do have a couple of, of, of acquaintances who are in neurology, uh, one of whom testifies in civil and criminal cases. I'm going to uh, shoot him an email and ask him what a neurologic tick is. So he got into a tiff with, uh, not a tick, a tiff with uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham over spending. Uh, governor has a legal counsel, Holly Aganjananin, uh, I don't know. Also said the funds in question were restored after the top State Department of Finance administration were alluded to the payment by State Treasurer Tim Eichenberg's office. Uh, this all has to do with a $270,000 payment of an invoice from a computer vendor due to a misunderstanding of the Supreme Court's order. Okay. And uh, Candelaria gets all worked up, said that the governor was continuing to spend stimulus funding in violation of court orders. And this is yeah. apparently him and the governor have never been friends. Never friends. No, no her and Jacob never been buddies close. Uh, no. Aganjanan said there was no need for Candelaria to file mention with the Supreme Court. Sadly, she stated, it appears, I love this, Senator Candelaria is less interested in the truth than having his name in the papers. Here you go. This is your time to shine. It's your time to shine, Mr. Candelaria. Well, uh, yeah, it looks like he was shining bright on that one day. According to the still left up, I noticed that Michelle Lujan Grishup has, has her and her team have scrubbed every association with Jacob Candelaria all over the Social internet. Media scrubbing. With the exception of one place, one place and one place only the home for New Mexico politics. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, the Thursday, May 9th edition, 2019 edition, pre pandemic edition of uh, none other than Joe Monahan's New Mexico politics. New Mexico politics with Joe Monahan. He writes, um, very generously about Candelaria, who said he reported the incident to ABD as a new member of the important Senate Finance Committee. Blah, blah, blah. Approved a big budget increase. Blah, blah, blah. For Rio's World of Taurus. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, as for his wedding, Candelaria, 32, is marrying Corey Tillery, 27, the son of Glenn Tillery, president of Tillery Chevrolet and Moriarty. Uh, was he in a Chevy? That, that flipped. Maybe he's going to sue his father-in-law. That's so weird to say. His father-in-law. <laughs> Corey Tiller is graduating from the University of New Mexico School of Medicine on Friday. And then the wedding is Saturday after he graduates um, at Santa Fe's El Dorado Hotel and will be quite the social event with Governor Lujan Grisham officiating. There it is. Oof. 
Oh, I'm sorry, Eddie. Uh, Chevy Equinox. The Equinox is a Chevrolet. Is he Chevy? Yeah, he See was driving the USA a USA in your Chevrolet. Dude, was there something? It was, was maybe maybe it just flipped by itself. Since we're looking for reasons it flipped, he blacked out. Maybe maybe someone in the family not very happy with him. I don't know. Maybe it had like a, one of those, uh, you know, <laughs> Jack in the Box things that. Made the made the car flip by itself. Well, well you've heard of Not the, the f- acid flashback. Uh, maybe this is a childhood seizure flashback. You don't mm. have them for twenty years, and then they pop up again. Hey, you know, I'll believe anything at this point. Well, before we uh, <clears throat> before you go headlong into uh, everything, uh, New Mexico recently legalized it. Right, uh, you, you can just walk around with it in your pockets. You can have as much as you want. And I'm like, well, they didn't do any sort of test. He was obviously something wasn't right, and. Started to kind of look into this, and I remember he's a big New Mexico United guy. I remember he did the whole Black Lives Matter yep. thing, and I think he's they the go-to took, lawyer for burn, loot, murder. I don't think any longer though, right? Didn't they? After our pressure, uh, on we the, looked recently, and that toolkit, the activist toolkit, has been taken down. He has been taken down. Yes, that Jacob Candelaria no longer associated with New Mexico United, uh, as far as as far as we can tell, right? Right. Uh, by the way, all those people who wanted uh, whatever those texts and stuff, and he was putting all over Twitter prior to his uh, <clears throat> his nuptials do you call them nuptials if it's man-on-man action yeah no no, no comment there uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go into uh and just so you know this isn't all the left there's also um flips on the other side uh the likes of uh well you know the the last uh, guy to to try and uh which we, we it was all republican before this guy lost for republican for cd number one cd one was always uh in the republicans uh pockets uh not anymore because uh, maybe uh, some of the actions of this guy very interesting guy take a listen uh this would be the sheriff yeah you know who now, former bernalillo county sheriff darren white is helping produce pot news 13's alex goldsmith sat down with him to find out why well dean darren white says he's become a true believer in medical marijuana and was wrong to oppose it he's part of a flood of former law enforcement now getting into the industry we change uh, as a society. <laughs> there may be no better example of that than Darren White. In the 90s, he sang this anti-drug slogan while working as an APD cop. Just say no. <laughs> say no. In 1999, he quit his job as state public safety secretary because of a dispute with Gary Johnson over drug legalization. I don't understand uh, the concept of responsible heroin use. In 2007, as Sheriff White, he opposed Governor Bill Richardson's medical pot push, telling the Albuquerque Tribune, quote, I've never supported medical marijuana. But today... I'm not ashamed to sit here and tell you that I was wrong uh, as it relates to medical cannabis. I was wrong. His own experience with chronic pain changed his mind. Consuming a steady diet of painkillers doesn't equal a quality of life and i know that medical cannabis works and it's also the reason why i'm a card holder and when the state decided to authorize more medical pot producers white was in demand to help with security a key part of the application process i was actually approached by three separate companies when the the process had started he went from consulting to now helping run pure life one of a dozen newly approved producers he wasn't the only one who tried. Former Deputy Sheriff David Linthicum was listed as a director for another proposed producer. So was former sheriff candidate Scott Baird. Former prosecutor turned legalization advocate Ethan Simon says having former law enforcement join the industry is a game changer. 
when he puts his stamp of approval on an organization that's getting medicine to sick people. That's different than just someone who knows how to grow marijuana on a large scale. An unexpected ally and pitch man for medical pot. It works. It absolutely works. Oh, yeah, baby. I also asked the former sheriff about his stance on legalizing pot in general. He tells me that it seems inevitable, but the time just isn't right for New Mexico right now. Oh, everyone's responsible. All the public uh, servants, right? They'll put a change on this whole thing. I I bring that up just so we won't be hypocrites in all this. Uh, We understand, you know, sort of from the right side, and apparently Darren White seems to be on that, and everyone's flipping. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how the officer on the scene asked, well, he doesn't seem to be drunk seem to be drunk or anything and it's on the mind of every single person out there okay because also we might remember right we have these incidents that don't get reported and the last one that i can think of was when you know the uh, john cardinale did his investigative reporting and we have a official right and a former gubernatorial candidate, Lawrence Rael, he's a little guy. The last time I saw him, I saw him over at Ruth Chris. He was having a stiff one over on the table there, enjoying himself. And uh, as you do, right, after uh, this is about a month after this whole thing came out. And you guys might remember because, you know, the whole thing was, hey, an official, something happened. It doesn't seem to be much damage. You just need to go ahead and write it up. And you got to go with me here because there should have been an investigation. I believe that Manny Gonzalez, a, a law enforcement guy, uh, was even claiming that. Take a listen. Now admitting that the number three guy in charge at City Hall violated policy when he failed to report a minor crash APD. Target 7's John Cardinelli has been on top of the story. Uh, John, how did all of this come to light? Well, Kaylin, Target 7 learned Chief Operations Officer Lawrence Rael violated city code after allegations last week from Sheriff Manny Gonzalez's campaign that he was driving drunk. While we couldn't find evidence of him driving under the influence in searching... Why? Because he's a Democrat and APD doesn't take tests or show up at scenes, apparently. And if they do, it's only in a very caretaking type of scene. And this is how they protect... They're Democrats. If it were a Republican, anybody else that was out there, right, what would we have almost immediately, right? You'd, you'd be taken in. He got arrested. He blew a, a level, you know, 0.12, 0.15. He was totally, you know, this is what we do, right? But because it's Lawrence Rial or Jacob Candelaria or, hey, getting trashed up at the governor's mansion, Michelle Lujan Grisham, crotch, grab, uh, crotch grabbing, right? I mean, these people literally have nothing we're going to continue with this uh, right here as much as we can then we'll find the code violation according to these city documents albuquerque's chief operations officer lawrence rael was supposed to call police immediately when he got into a minor crash in a city vehicle on the morning of september 14th he didn't no police came no ambulance came nobody came that's victoria gachus the woman she does not sound like she has a lot of money uh she does not sound like she's all that healthy and uh, listen to her. T- she has no reason to lie. She didn't know who the hell. She probably has never voted. Ryle hit. She tells us he handed her a city business card and left the scene. He didn't talk very much. He just gave me, handed me his card. That's all. He didn't even hardly say it. He didn't even say a word. On Wednesday last week. He didn't even say a word. Oh, here you go. I hit you. Here you go. Just, just give me a call. Uh, isn't that exactly what Jacob Candelaria did? He's like, oh, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make everything whole. See, I want to do good for the people. And same thing with Lawrence Wright. Hey, I'm going to be good. Here's what's going on. And you're going to hear more about that when we return. Because I think this story is going to continue to pick up steam. And I think 
Michelle Lujan Grisham, I think this is going to wear on you uh, as well. This is, uh, I think, going to be, hey, what's not good for the goose is good for the gander out there. We'll pick it up when we return on AM 600 KIVA Continue with the well. <clears throat> these guys are grilling themselves, all right. And uh, somebody asked me, like, why'd you bring up Darren White? Well, uh, I, I sort of missed the turn there. Darren White, how many lives did he destroy before he saw the light? How many families? I don't think you. I don't think weed is a good idea. But where those families and individuals get the reprieve of commutation for the now supportive Darren's then actions, like none, like you said, hypocrite, corruption. This is why principles are important. Well, um, there is a slight defense, believe it or not, here of Darren White. Of all the people that I would uh, likely never defend, um, you'll have me defending Darren White here because uh, July of 2011, he had resigned his post for something far less, far less than what Jacob or maybe even Lawrence Rael or maybe the governor or uh, Governor Bill Richardson. Listen to this. Going back in the day, Albuquerque public safety boss Darren White on Friday announced his retirement. A scrutiny of his involvement with his wife's July 6th single vehicle crash continued. There's nobody else. Nobody else was hit. Nobody else with nothing. No cars flipped. Nothing. The announcement ends the career of more than 20 years in law enforcement. State law and order. Republicans like Darren White should have kept his job. Uh, according to these standards, I think that's fair to say, right, Dowd? Mm-hmm. Darren White should have never resigned. It's like, well, just... <laughs> Let the media run the interference from him. Like, he was connected to media. Served as an Albuquerque police officer, Secretary of State Department of Public Safety, and Berlin County Sheriff. He also stepped down from the Judicial Standards Commission, to which he was appointed earlier this year by Governor Susanna Martinez, according to her spokesman. In a statement released by the spokesman, Chris Ramirez, yes, Channel 4, Chris Ramirez, White said he was stepping down to end the distractions surrounding my wife's recent accident and allow Mayor Richard Berry and senior leaders to focus on the important issues the people of Albuquerque deserve to have addressed. Wow! Maybe the most respectable thing the man has ever done. Not sell pot, but do that but he resigned because he didn't like what like jacob candelaire is like not my fault and you're going to see where these sort of cross over okay maybe one of the qualifications uh for governor uh is you know or any higher office or showing that you're worth your medal is that uh, you can do something completely and totally wrong and then figure out a way to explain it away and have other people run to your rescue let's continue with the john cardinale those heavy eyebrows, you can, you can hear it in his heavy voice as well. And the response to the Rael crash violation, this was last year, if you might remember, during the mayoral campaign. Target 7 followed up with the city on the code violation. They sent us a statement that said in part, for minor accidents like this, APD recommends that drivers exchange information and address the situation through their insurance companies. Police union president Sean Willoughby says that's not the case. That is a statement that is commonly used for citizens, right? If you have a minor accident violation and your vehicle is operable, you can do a self-report. You can call in for a report. You can exchange information and handle it through insurance. 100%. I've heard that being conveyed to the public several times, but this isn't about the public. Willoughby says anytime Uh, a city employee gets in an accident. Is it ever about the public? Uh, anyway, uh, he's of course talking about, well, this was a city of employee, the city of Albuquerque employee 
I believe in a city vehicle, if I'm not mistaken. Just report it to APD. The truth is there was there was a city rule and regulation violation. Um, they didn't call the police. They didn't notify anything. There was no evidence. We didn't get photographs. Um, so there are a lot of there are a lot of steps that got missed by the COO in this particular circumstance. And I think that statement from the city is very misleading. Target Seven followed up with the city Bell. after our interview with Willoughby. We asked for further clarification. In an email, they told us they were aware of the discrepancy and said in part, Rael was on the way to work the morning the accident occurred, not conducting official business. Not calling APD to the scene was a minor violation of city policy, but is consistent with the recommendation that APD gives to the general community, which is to resolve minor accidents through insurance. Uh -huh. The policy has Wait been here. clarified for Mr. Rael, and he is receiving coaching on the city's incident response procedures. Coaching this is about one day. A city now employee watch. operating a city vehicle, and there are rules and regulations of minor accidents when you're operating a city vehicle. The next day, the city sent Target 7 another email saying they wanted to clarify their statement for a third time. This time, they took the blame off Rael. They said in part, Rael was on the way to work the morning the accident occurred, not conducting official business. Because of ambiguity between the policy for employees conducting city business and the APD guidance given to all residents to resolve minor accidents through insurance, a corrective clarification was provided. Willoughby is calling for an investigation. At the very least, there needs to be an investigation and potential discipline if he fought, if he violated policy, at the very least. But um, to, to pretend that a, a city employee in a similar situation would be able to, to get away with just simply giving a business card and, and going about their business without severe discipline is just not a reality that we live in. And we reached out to APD about this. They didn't comment and referred us to the mayor's office for the full statement. Ah, APD, despite it being a law, despite it being something that should be handled that way, they'll always go back to the mayor. So now you know it's Mayor Tim Keller, all right? And um, this is one of those particular cases where, in the case of the most recent one, you have Jacob Candelaria handing his business card saying he's going to go ahead and make them whole. And, oh, there's no criminality involved in any of this yet, okay? So we're making a longer point here. If you're a Democrat and you've been involved in an incident and you know people, right? Hey, where's the hookup? I've got some benefits. Then you're going to get off pretty much scot-free. Uh, Thanks to the qualification for higher office. We've seen this many times. Uh, look at what happened to Monica Youngblood. Immediately, like, resigning her position. She's done. You know, House Ethics Committee. She's the worst person on the face of it. You remember all this, right? They went after her, like grilled her as much. But the people up north, they'll end up running for office again as long as you're a Democrat. Dowd, you've got another one. Yeah, I, got, I actually have two, Eddie. And, and you, you reminded me of something that happened way back in, in 2009. Uh, I'm going to try to get the, the chronology of all this right. Early 2016, taking us back to those, uh, those dark days of the Obama administration, former Governor Bill Richardson uh, rear ends a driver in Santa Fe, and according to the driver who was impacted, he actually hit her car twice. Uh, the former governor called it, quote, just a little tap, and that uh, he, quote, barely felt it. He ended up leaving the scene. He left the scene uh, after his 2004 Jeep twice, not once, twice, rear-ended a woman's Acura at the North Brown Lane of Paseo de Peralta near Marcy Street at 8 a.m. Uh, Richardson was seen walking into a business afterwards we don't there's nothing in this report about how long it took for the cops to eventually hook up with him so i don't know if he had 
<clears throat> a chance to gather himself, let's say. Uh, I don't know. He ended up pleading no contest. And this is the local papers, as moonbatty, crazy, progressive as you can get. This is from their report. Unlike the typical defendant in Santa Fe Municipal Court, Richardson was allowed to phone in his plea. Uh, and his reason wow. and whereabouts, likely the mountain hamlet of Red River, were kept secret, sealed in the court record for 30 days by a judge's order. Uh, he agreed to a defensive driving course, $56 in court costs, and a uh, letter of apology to the other driver. But if you want to talk about New Mexico politicos and their um, <clears throat> driving issues, does the name Carlos Fierro oh, mean, wow. mean anything to you? Uh, 2009. Yeah. Prominent politically connected lawyer killed a man by the name of uh, William uh, Tenario uh, and boy Tenorio. family Tenorio, uh, was not uh, family was not happy about this uh, vehicular homicide and leaving the scene of an accident where have we heard that before after striking and killing this unfortunate man 36 uh, I mean I mean the father of three the, the, the victim uh, Fierro attorney former lobbyist with ties to both John McCain next door in Arizona and Tom Udall right here in New Mexico who was this Politico uh, tra traveling with after a night of drinking? State Police Sergeant Alfred Lovato, a member of Governor Bill Richardson's security team, who was Fierro's passenger in the car. Uh, he was put on administrative leave. Uh, eventually, Mr. Fierro ends up with three and a half years in jail for vehicular homicide. He's out for a couple years, Eddie. And then come 2016, just a few months after Bill's uh, big Bill's issue, Carlos Fierro is picked up for DUI again after serving three and a half years for vehicular homicide. I guess the rules, they just are different for the politically connected in this state. Well, are they? Are you going to hold Jacob Candelaria responsible? The Democrats don't want him. Certainly the Republicans don't appreciate him. Um, I doubt he's appreciated much anywhere else. He's no longer on the New Mexico United part. He wasn't tested at the site. APD was uh, doing his bidding. Uh, I think that's pretty clear at this point, we can uh, say. The officer uh, should be uh, removed that was on the scene for deciding not to test him. And uh, this is sort of the uh, crazy world that we live in because this is where the world of the Darren White who resigned uh, uh, under duress for something involving his wife in a one-car incident. Uh, shouldn't uh, Jacob Candelaria have to resign for his incident? Uh, for what he has done, and uh, certainly uh, I, I, he's not going to be missing anything by not, uh, you know, being part of the Democrats anymore because he is no longer. So I want to continue here, and let's uh, pick it up where <clears throat> the video showing the. Uh, this is interesting. The city. Uh, let me give you three things before we before we go. More of the city of Albuquerque running interference. Matthew Risen writes. Official not drunk in accident. Nobody asked if he was drunk. He didn't appear to be drunk, okay? All right, that's kind of what, what we have. Uh, also the same was said for one uh, Lawrence Rael. Let me continue here. Video shows moments after crash involving New Mexico Senator. That's uh, from KRQE now, okay? So we got all of uh, that video as well. We have the interviews uh, that are also taking place. But now I think we need to start talking about something we haven't talked about and there's a whole history here of <clears throat> Candelaria Law, making successful claim for medical cannabis. This is very interesting. You can go to his own website, and it is still there, uh, that how employers can pay for your CBD. And admittedly, back in 2019, uh, Jacob Candelaria stated 
that he spends between $500 to $1,000 a month on medical cannabis. Medical cannabis, that was back then. What does he do now? We'll take a quick break, bring it back for the results. Six plaintiffs involved in a case where, well, Duke Rodriguez, you might remember him. He was sort of like the head guy. Doubt you know a lot about him. Ultra health, right? I mean, they were all trying to do whatever they could. A lawsuit based on legislation passed in 2021. Senate Bill 317, signed by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, deals with behavioral health cost sharing. The law, which took effect in January, demands that insurers cover 100% of behavioral health services, including the prescribed treatment of, you guessed it, folks, medicinal marijuana. <clears throat> Ultra Health tried another approach. It also sent a letter to New Mexico Health Insurers and Office of Superintendent of Insurance seeking assurances that cannabis coverage can be viewed as behavioral health services under state law. According to Ultra Health, uh, insurers have not responded. Lawsuit also opened the door for other medical cannabis patients to join. Um, dare, dare we say, dare we ask who? <laughs> you know, God's always trying to show you the answers, folks. He 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 gives us the examples. I know we don't have to, you know, he, he shows us the way. There'll be more patients identified who have been harmed by insurers not lawfully abiding to the statutory duty of eliminating any cost sharing related to behavioral health insurance, including including CBD. Insurers have not acted in good faith. This is not that old, folks. This is a couple of years old. This is back in what I think this last year, 2020. 2021. You can find this uh, article if you're a subscriber. Senator State Candelaria, uh, State Senator Jacob Candelaria, among plaintiffs suing insurance companies for medical cannabis coverage in New Mexico. Bazinga! <laughs> What's that from? Among the six plaintiffs in State Senator Jacob Candelaria, as per the lawsuit, Candelaria has been a medical marijuana patient since 2019 when his doctor recommended cannabis as a treatment for PTSD after antidepressants showed little improvement. Lawsuit also details that Candelaria spends between $500 to $1,000 a month for medical marijuana from his own pocket. Candelaria, that's really putting a, the pain, the pinch on me, the lawyer for the people. Candelaria is insured by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of New Mexico. The senator told the journal that medical cannabis helped him with PTSD and that he decided to join the lawsuit not for his personal benefit, but for many New Mexicans who are struggling to pay for their health care. CBD is health care, okay? Anybody can just drive around with medical marijuana in their systems. April data from New Mexico Department of Health indicated out of the 134,000 registered medical cannabis patients, 73,000 of them are being treated for PTSD. Uh, hey, doc, can you give me, uh, uh, you know, uh, PTSD? I need that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need the medical cannabis the prescription, yeah. Senate Bill 317 was transformational, he says. I remember Michelle Lujan Grisham signed in. This, this is Michelle Lujan Grisham, Jacob Candelaria, not just together with her presiding over the nuptials of one Jacob Candelaria, but also giving him the get-out-of-jail-free card that, hey, says that businesses should foot the bill for medical cannabis use. The suit, you know, it becomes necessary to actually make the transformation happen. Also listed a number of other medical marijuana patients. So remember, at 2016, it wasn't the time yet. Now everyone's on it, and you know people are running around with it in their pocket. 
I, I love this. Like God, <clears throat> God gives me the, the gifts all of a sudden and all in, all in one nice little incident, just raining, raining down. <laughs> all right, folks. I'm going to suggest strongly that Jacob Candelaria resign his position because now we're going to start understanding how marijuana affects driving. However you take it, folks. There was nothing taken. APD could certainly go down right now and decide, I think, marijuana stays in your systems. It's in your hair follicles. It's in your blood. I think marijuana stays in for a hell of a lot longer. You can decide to go ahead and, and test for, I think, up to 90 days. You've heard the perception of drunk driving by making the phrase, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Now it's time to spread the message about dangers of using marijuana and driving. He's admittedly a uh, user uh, by necessary of medical reasons. He can't explain what's happened to him. He blacked out, doesn't remember the cars flying through the middle of the intersection of, of Mountain and Rio Grande. This group, the uh, NHTSA, Okay. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hmm. I think that's kind of what this is involved with. It launched a drug-impaired driving prevention program. If you feel different, you drive different, right? Buzz drive, driving is drunk driving. If you feel different, you drive driven. Same thing. That's for marijuana. Together, we hope to change the cultural conversation in driving after using marijuana. In any way, to make it as socially unacceptable as driving drunk. Hmm. I'm fine with that. 33 states have changed their laws regarding marijuana. It's illegal everywhere to drive impaired by any drug. According to studies, marijuana can slow your reaction time, impair judgment or distance, decrease coordination, which are essential when you are behind the wheel of a vehicle. Was he? Uh, it was nobody else driving. It was him, right? In recent years, drug-impaired driving has become a major highway safety issue. According to an NHTSA study, there was a 40%, 48% increase in weekend nighttime drivers who tested positive for THC, the chemical responsible for medicals, uh, marijuana psychological effects. If you've used marijuana or any impairing subject, don't get behind the wheel. Instead, here are the tips for getting home safely. Pass the keys to a sober driver. Take the keys away from a friend. He didn't have either. Nobody was with him. I don't think his partner, his husband, uh, was with him either. Okay. Does marijuana impair driving ability? We've had people call into the shows. What do they say? I drive better. Well, uh, out in uh, Miami, Brown Suarez Rios de Weinberg, Criminal defense and personal injury lawyers. We make the, we're the good guys. <laughs> That's a wonderfully diverse firm. Brown, Suarez, <laughs> Rios, and Weinberg. Uh, Weinberg and Rios, they've been friends for years. Suarez and Brown, they don't like each other much. Uh, Brown is apparently taking too much on the, uh, <laughs> on the commission. People who use marijuana may feel that it doesn't affect their driving ability, but research shows, according to AAA, right? Remember, we're the place where we have illegal immigrants who can practice law. We're also the place where we have, you know, late-term abortion. So, you know, my calls for this, it's all up to you guys. Marijuana is the second most common impairing substance among drivers after alcohol. What do they do? They sue people who drive under marijuana. It does not affect the drivers exactly the way alcohol does, but it still has an effect. It's against the law to drive while intoxicated or impaired by any substance, regardless of its legality. THC is a psychoactive chemical that makes marijuana intoxicating. Research has yet to discover the specific specific level worse they don't know how to test for it the safest assumption is that marijuana in the system is unsafe for driving it can affect the driving ability in multiple ways it appears to have the biggest effect on routine reflexive driving tasks but a driver's under the influence of marijuana he or she suddenly has to think about performing actions that would ordinarily come automatically it slows down reaction time it also if affects 
physical function, cognitive processing, coordination, and attention, all of which are necessary for operating a vehicle safely. These effects can cause a driver to deviate from his or her lane. Da, 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 da. In 2007, government surveys have shown increased reporting of cannabis use by drivers, particularly by those during the weekend or the night, as we stated before. Okay. Making a successful claim for cannabis law. Well, here we are on uh, Jacob Candelaria's law site. And he says, well, here's what you can do for medical cannabis. And he Just writes two months this. months ago. Yeah, June 16, 2022. New Mexico is the one of the few states in the country that requires workers' comp to pay for medical cannabis to treat a work injury. A workers' compensation can be complicated to navigate, he writes. Your fight to get benefits, including medical cannabis, are going to involve becoming familiar with some legal jargon specific to the workers' compensation law. He cites NMSA 1978, Section 52-1-49. I mean, we're not even going to get into that, but they're talking about all about workers' compensation. Okay, fair enough. He's fighting on behalf of the guys to get their medical marijuana uh, or perhaps and, and to get it paid for by the business. I didn't even know that that was a, a thing. So the, the takeaway from all of this is one thing and one thing only. There was no field sobriety test administered. He's admittedly spending $500 to $1,000 a month at the time of the writing back in 2019. He made a deal, that's what that's called, when that to pay for everybody that was there. He got no criminal charges. He can still be tested, okay? And we still don't know why he, quote-unquote, blacked out driving 70 mile an hour through the intersection. Apparently, marijuana makes can make people faint. Blackout. While most people can use marijuana without experiencing any issues whatsoever, fainting is a side effect that has been known to happen. One second you're at a party laughing it up with friends. Nothing out of the ordinary here except for the fact that by smoking with others, you are about to contract the germs of everyone else in the room. And it goes into... All of a sudden, things start to get weird. You might feel at first if you're going to vomit and your senses might start going a bit haywire. You might even get some trouble catching your breath, saying something to the person next to you. Then, dang, that was what was in that weed? Yeah, what was man. in the THC? Yeah, man, what's in that stuff? You even consider excusing yourself for a minute to regain your facilities, but then you have any chance to make it to the bathroom. Everything goes black. You were told later you just dropped out completely after taking a hit of weed. While most people can use marijuana, we're going to blow through the top of the hour on this, by the way. <clears throat> they can use marijuana without experiencing any issues. Uh, I'm also doing this for legal reasons. So everything that's communicated over these airways, legal documents, just so you know, uh, insinuations, um, thoughts, asking questions or anything, this actually holds up as a legal document. So uh, every pro broadcast uh, operates that way, just so you know. <clears throat> All right, let's continue. Unfortunately, while most people can use marijuana without experiencing any issues, Fainting is a side effect that has been known to happen. Some medical experts say these blackout moments can sometimes occur in THC, the cannabinoid that produces the herb stoned effects, expand the blood vessels, which decreases blood pressure in the body. When this happens, the heart rate increases and it can cause the people to lose consciousness. Start texting me now with your thoughts on this past hour, by the way, so I can read them uh, over the next few minutes, folks. Sometimes it's just the consumption method that was used in the culprit of these fainting cases. A person might not develop this side effect by smoking a joint or taking a hit off of a vaporizer, but then he or she takes a pull from a bong and they go down. Smoking marijuana allows the user to feel the side effects quicker than the size of the hit can sometimes be a factor. Most of the time, fainting happens when a person stands up to smoke weed. So if you experience this, scene, this side effect, it might be a good idea to stay closer to the ground the next time you decide to fire one up. It can cause a quite profound lowering of blood pressure. Marijuana can cause a quite profound lowering of the blood pressure. I repeat, 
Marijuana can cause a quite profound lowering of the blood pressure. Fainting from a hit of weed is not necessarily dangerous, except if you are in a vehicle driving it. And causing users to faint are not enough. To, blood gets back into the brain, which is very likely why he passed out if he had that in his system. Please be careful about the way that I have said what I have said so that you understand what I'm asking and what I'm stating here. Dr. Andrew Montgomery, a general practitioner, told Vice Magazine, a lesser lowering of blood pressure may lead to a sense of dizziness without actually passing out. The biological mechanisms underlying this are highly complex and incompletely understood at this point. There are a few, few telltale signs that it's about to go lights out and that are important for marijuana users to recognize. If after a hit, you start to feel dizzy, experience shortness of breath, break out in a sweat, feel nauseous, he certainly looked like he was sweating, but then again, he was involved in a 70-mile vehicle accident uh, where he was blowing through the intersection. Feel nauseous, get a headache, or experience blurred vision, it's time to find a place to sit down and chill for a minute. But try not to get spooked about what's happening as the bad times will pass your body and adjust to its THC and you build up a tolerance. There's also a chance for the fainting spell from smoking weed could happen once and never come around again. It's also possible that a person who is prone to this reaction could have trouble with each time they partake. This one, it might be a good time to take a trip to the doctor since passing out from blood pressure changes weed related or not. It could be an in indication of cardiovascular issues as well. He does not look very healthy in those videos. So I think we should go back and for one more time, now that we have stated all this and for the record, uh, we should play channel fours. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to play uh, Channel 13s, I think, this next time, because we've already played the Channel 4, and we'll get the <clears throat> the video showing uh, moments after, which is going to be a little bit different than what uh, Channel 4 has of uh, the moments after crash involving New Mexico Senator Jacob uh, Candelaria. This is a... This is sort of eye-opening, Dowd. Your first uh, thoughts on this, and I'm gonna, I've got more text than I than I can than I can uh, say currently. Go ahead. I just think any accident, and listen, uh, we have law enforcement people in the audience. I mean, any accident that was as significant as this—a car was flipped. There were witnesses all over the place. Maybe you know, if the car had been headed in another direction, maybe the, one of those witnesses might have been hit. Uh, at least two cars have been destroyed by this man who's seeking to be three. made whole. Yeah, three. Uh, <laughs> isn't it just sort of standard? And and there's ways of being impaired. You can be on prescription drugs. You can be on weed. You can be on cocaine. Uh, you know, you could have been up all night. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it just, I don't know that a, a statement from a law enforcement officer that just, oh, he doesn't appear to be that. How about we just blanket when anything of significance like this happens? Any wreck. We, exactly. we just test. We just get a little blood, little dab of blood. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. After, because, I mean, after all, these, these people are being insured and the actuaries as well as the insurance companies themselves are going to want to know, hey, what's going on here? So uh, here's the KRQE report on this whole thing. Mangled cars, debris strewn across the roadway, and an SUV flipped onto its roof. Newly released video shows. Good evening. Mangled cars, debris strewn across the roadway, and an SUV flipped onto its roof. Newly released video shows the aftermath of a violent crash caused by a New Mexico state senator behind the wheel. When police saw the destruction, they said it was a miracle no one was badly hurt. It just happened so quick. I don't even know how he ended up like, facing this way. Yeah. That's why this thing flipped when he hit the truck. Right. Spent this way. Man. Like a pizza top. Officers trying to piece together just how the Chevy SUV ended up flipped over in the middle of the street with a trail of destruction in its wake.
the man behind the wheel, Albuquerque attorney and state senator. So what's your name? Jacob Candelaria. Witnesses coming out of Little Anita's at Mountain in Rio Grande Friday night say they heard the car coming before it flew through the intersection. Acceleration. We looked at it and then we just saw that he ran a red. So we all said, oh man, he ran a red. He ran that red and he was just... The SUV hit the curb before plowing into three cars outside a home on Mountain, then flipped upside down. Bystanders rushed to pull Candelaria from the wreckage. It's amazing that guy has no serious injuries. Candelaria tells officers he suffered some kind of medical episode. I was finishing some client work. I came, come down mountain, I got to that light. All I remember was like a cough and my head hurting a little bit. And then I wake up here. He tells officers he has not been drinking or doing drugs. And during his interactions with police, he does not show any signs of being impaired. Doesn't seem like he's drunk, though. Just badly shaken from his terrifying ordeal. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just really thankful. Okay. I'm just really grateful right now that I'm here. Wow. Okay. I've asked the question. We provided the information. We know what he's used. We know what he stands for. We know that the whole drama that impacts this guy. I mean, he's not going through a good time right now. Um, but honestly, I don't care. I, I, I just don't. I care about the other people who were impacted, the potential, I mean, maybe you, your family was there. We certainly know what happened, I don't know, last year during Christmas time when, you know, someone was run over. Remember that uh, ATV vehicle and, and uh, some uh, young boy, I believe he was no older than six or seven years old, was run over. We were like, like, that's all we were looking for. If it was a little bit more busy and something was there, there would have been people who were dead suffering from this episode and we're going to let him get away you know, scot-free on all this? Eddie, my sister and brother-in-law went down to the Candy Lady during the show yesterday. They went down to Old Town, uh, which is right next to Little Anita's at Mountain and Rio Grande. Kind of kind of hits me a little more home now that I look at the map of where this happened. Yeah, right there at the uh, corner of Maine and Maine. Yeah. I grew up there. Uh, okay. Medical marijuana episode. First response. Absolutely. I can't think of any other thing unless... Somebody can tell me something else at this point, given what we know. <clears throat> Eddie, Jacob Candelaria was high as F on the mota. APD didn't waste the drama, didn't want, want the drama from the queen on the scene. <laughs> wow. State Senator apologizes for interaction with New Mexico State Police Officers, Albuquerque Journal. Oh, I forgot about this. Yep. Uh, he insulted all the state police officers who came into his house, right? He berated them. Yep. Um, you show uh, an entire thing where he's, this is Colleen Heald, journal investigative reporter. Uh, I, I can't play it because he's, he says, this was all re released by the Republican party who don't, it, it, I'll tell you what, the Republican party's hard up for anybody to be a Republican, but they don't want, we, we don't want Jacob Candelaria to be some, a Republican. Some gifts you should refuse. Yeah. <laughs> Candelaria, Democrat, is running for re-election, told the journal he had apologized for his behavior before the video was sent to the news media. He furnished a letter to state police officials that he simply did not treat the officers with the necessary respect or decorum. In an interview, Candelaria, who has been in office since 2013, questioned why the Republican Party would make the video public because it revealed the New Mexico uh, town to which he and his new husband are fleeing for their safety after receiving the calls just after midnight. They put another target on us, he said. Uh, don't you have to live into your, in your district to represent it? I think that's the law. Yeah. yeah, in the state of New Mexico. Does he live in his district? 
Republican Party, we want to question me. Republican Party has taken the video of what was the most traumatic and terrifying moments of my life and turned it into a political hit. Said he wasn't aware officers were recording the encounter. What? <laughs> he didn't know about lapel cameras? Like, you're literally a state senator, bro. What's up? Republican Party, which lambasted Candler Air Force's tirade of abuse aimed at investigating officers, didn't immediately respond to the request for comment. Candler said he received three anonymous threatening calls after his TV appearance on October 24th in which he publicly criticized a protest against coronavirus restrictions. He's a corona bro, huh? Uh, outside the state capitol because many attendees were not wearing masks or social distancing. News of the threats made national headlines after he subsequently called for reforms to make police more responsive to threats against elected officials. Boy, sounds just like, isn't this what Joe Biden is doing right now? You know, uh, the uh, FBI according officials. According to the official legislative handbook for the New Mexico legislature, legislators must live uh, in which the di districts in which they represent. There you go. Candelaria and Albuquerque attorney said he considered the phone calls threatening violence as politically motivated because of his politics, race, and sexual orientation. There you have it. During that the encounter never late. with state police, the video shows Candelaria mentioned several times he was a state senator and informed the officers he had waited 13 hours for them to respond to his report of receiving the threats. I was told you were coming to help us leave town. If you want to help us and watch us get in our car and go out of that town to protect our lives, we can do that. But no one wants to do anything to you, dude. Like, you're not doing to yourself. Seriously. One officer asked Candler to stop screaming. <laughs> stop screaming. Why stop screaming, sir. Why are you screaming? <laughs> After which the legislator produced the cell phone and played a message left by the mail caller. The caller is heard saying in part, you don't know what it means to be an American. We're going to get one. We're going to get you out one way or the other. Okay. Whatever. Is that a threat, gentlemen? Candler asked the officers. Sir, uh, it's how it can be interpreted. Uh, officer responds, after which Candler abruptly says, please leave my home. You were asked to leave. Wow. Kicking the police, kicking 5-0 out. Please, all three of you, leave my home. I have asked the state police to leave. They are not being helpful. <laughs> wow. Candelaria said by the time state police arrived, his law firm's PI traced the calls and found the suspected caller had a criminal history and an outstanding warrant for his Well, there you go. What'd you do with that? Republican Party news blasted Candelaria as an elitist who disrespected state police. His Republican challenger in the upcoming election, Manuel Larizabal, is running on a tough-on-crime campaign. Chairman Steve Pearson released stated, Candelaria's childish and self-important behavior is unbecoming of the New Mexico State Senate. Body meant to be mature and deliberative. He doesn't deserve the honor of serving in any office of public trust. Senator Candelaria doesn't deserve your vote on City Tuesday to return to the roundhouse. Blah, blah, blah. Threats of violence are always taken seriously, according to Ray Wilson, the State Department of Public Safety. During the encounter, one state police officer is heard telling Candelaria that the suspect couldn't be located at any of the addresses associated with it. So how's he going to be apprehended? Well, I thought you had your P.I. Well, this is how we find them, sir. We have to go look for them. Please don't go down. Please don't talk down to me, he says. Oh, easily. Offended. Please don't talk down to me, officer, because I will get the governor on the phone or whoever because I don't understand why this is my problem. Oh, he pulled is, the trigger. Is this why? Don't you know who my friends are? Right. Is this why Michelle Lujan Grisham has wiped any connection with that man whatsoever? And maybe that's their big tip. His apology letter said he was wrong to direct the terror and frustration. Uh... Can you imagine? And we're gonna, I'm going to call your boss. I'm going to call. I'm going to call the governor. So uh, there you go. More of your responses. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. Trust me on this. Uh, asked New Mexico State Police Officer on the incident what his apartment smelled like. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, this guy must know because he's connected to a state police officer, by the way. Like the terrible info, babe, the mentis, zero questions to APD about why no blood testing. Yep. Did they check with little Anita's to see if he imbibed? No. 
I think he said he was coming from his law office. Mm. Uh, client work. Yeah, client, client. Before his terrifying ordeal struck, according he to He looks very professional in that uh, jogging shorts. And <laughs> shorts and t-shirts. I could smell that t-shirt. Through. Well, you go meet clients I could literally that way all smell the time, that t-shirt right? through, the, through the interview sitting here on the curb. Remember when he asked APD a few years back if they knew he was a state? Don't you know who I am? He's a state senator. I'm what a loser. green. Cry baby charlotte's and hack ambulance chaser attorney no he does uh public work right pro bono uh eddie his car flipped you mean he flipped his car yes that's exactly right they say flip the script i love the way you barbecue sacred cows eddie um he's kind of a cowie that is for sure yeah one time i've ever seen him i saw him uh he was pounding beers at um at um Bo- not bosque was it bosque i don't know tractor but it's like do you know who that is i'm like no that's uh, Jacob Candelaria. I said, oh, oh, he graduated from Pius. Oh, cool. Is he nice? I don't, I don't know who he is. <laughs> and then little did I know there's this, all this stuff attached to somebody that was being pointed out. I'm like, I don't know who he is. Great show, Eddie. MLG and Candelaria don't like each other because they have the same taste in men. <laughs> what? Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's I don't good. care who you witty. are. It's very witty. I don't, I don't think, I don't care who you are. That's funny. That is good. That's that good. guy knows funny. Yep. Let's not forget that some eyewitnesses said they saw Governor Richardson running from the scene of the Tenorio killing. Did you know that? Oh, they never reported that in what I was looking at. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, of course not. The, the, the mainstream media covering that up, right? Um, I'm not going to read. Uh, he must have a very, he must have a fairy godmother. Okay, that's very funny. I see where you're going with that. Eddie Deputy uh, Doobie removed his wife from the scene of an auto accident, picking up oxycodone off the street, thus tampering with evidence. That's why he split. Okay. He resigned his position. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, he's a hell of a lot more upstanding than Jacob Candelaria is. And I don't have anything nice to say about Darren White, who hates me. I mean, everybody knows that. So let's just get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, probably took a big hit of wax and blacked out, bro. I've done that before. Or vape hash oil. <laughs> well, I don't know. We didn't test for any of that stuff. So there you go. I just read them and uh, put them out there. We put the information out there. That was a lot to deal with. I'm just glad that I don't have to, you know, deal with that on a, you know. God, that's a lot. That's a lot to take care of. I mean, all the public drama, the, you know, the the going after this, going after the governor, calling the governor out on stuff. And then at the very same time, you know, or a similar uh, time periods, like also, God going after the governor and then asking for the help from the governor. Don't you know who I am? It just seems crazy. to be, there's just way Trouble. too much drama in that guy's life. Uh-huh. Uh, I've often said, you know, you, most state uh, lawmakers, you, you wouldn't hire to competently rake a pile of leaves. Uh, a lot of these people just have a lot of issues going on in their lives. And um, maybe we should hire a better quality of legislature. Yeah, let's do that. We got elections coming midterm. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva. Save a data dump for tomorrow. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna dump on us? Uh, here. I wanna get back in the in the habit, my friend. All right, get back in the habit. But I will uh, go quickly. Yeah, maybe don't go quickly. Uh, we will get into. I mean, so many people are firing in, and they're they're angry at the hypocrisy uh, from the left. And 
you know, when they hear the Richardson, the Tenorio, when they hear, you know, uh, Lawrence Rael, when they hear Jacob Candelaria, where they hear, I mean, and then you hear of the, the grilling of us and Republicans, and anybody else who's not a Democrat. The it's fascist, just, the fascist. It's absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, yes, folks, I will absolutely talk about, uh, I will say there's 103 murders that, that are tracking. I think ABQ Raw has 118 that they've tracked. Um, and I think the city of Albuquerque is what tracking 87, 88. Um, but, um, uh, we'll get to that story after we do a data dump here from the Dow 3619 here in the Kiva. Take it away, Dow. Yeah, folks, I'm going to kick off and I don't do the day-to-day, uh, Wall Street Dow Jones kind of stuff because as my wise old grandmother said, you know, it goes up, it goes down. I, I don't worry about these things, but I will just highlight the fact that Around start of trading Friday morning, it was about eh, 33,350. It closed today at 31,510. Just less than uh, fewer than four trading days, the Dow is down 5.5%. Fewer than four full trading days. Uh, not great. Maybe some of the concern today, it's a complicated assessment to make, of course, is that private payrolls, according to the company ADP, they were just, uh, they grew by just 132,000 in August. Companies sharply slowed the pace of hiring in August amid growing fears, I'd say realistic fears, of an economic slowdown. Again, uh, grew by 132,000, a significant deceleration from yeah. the previous month, 268,000. So, I mean, you're talking really about cutting that growth rate in half. Uh, Dow Jones, the company, estimated that it would be 300,000, which only came in at 132. Not Great. Uh, looking quickly at just a couple of companies that uh, probably affect our lives in, in one way or the other. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, as someone once said that the George W. Bush's uh, experiment in trying to make democracy flourish in Iraq should have been called Blood Bath & Beyond. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond said it would close roughly 150 of its flagship stores, cut its workforce, and bring in fresh cash uh, to help turn around the struggling retail chain. That fresh cash is something Virgin Galactic, our partner, knows all about here in New Mexico. When you float more stock, it dilutes the value of the share. So if you, uh, if your pension fund owns Bed Bath & Beyond, you're probably not going to be happy uh, about that. Shares today tumbled 21% uh, on the news of that. Again, the layoffs of about 20% of corporate and supply chain staff. Uh, part of a larger strategic update just after the end of the company's latest quarter, uh, comparable sales uh, tumbled 26% in that quarter. Not looking good for Bed Bath & Beyond. The other uh, dive on a single company is Snap Incorporated. Snap. Oh, Snap! Now, I don't have a Snapchat account. you know what account. Snap is? Uh, they run Snapchat. Yeah, Snap. Uh, and their business primarily, primarily relies on digital advertising. Again, laying off another 20% of its roughly 6,400 employees and shuttering several projects in the latest spending pullback. So you've got big tech and then you've also got retail not looking good for them. And I'm just going to close with three examples from around the world where uh, economies that you wouldn't maybe necessarily think all that much about, but apparently they're doing fairly well at a time when Joe Biden's America is certainly not doing well. The Canadian economy heavily dependent on making and, and uh, processing and extracting real things that are really of use, you know, mining materials, energy, accelerated, not decelerated. In the second quarter, the nation benefited from, you guessed it, surging commodity prices. Jeez, if only we had a rich vein of commodities that we could sell here in New Mexico and, and, and lead the path to prosperity. If only that 
were, were real, uh, got a boost from the lifting of COVID lockdowns. Uh, it expanded 3.3% in the second quarter. Uh, that is uh, pretty good news for our uh, Kanukistan friends. And we're going to talk about Turkey. We're going to talk Turkey, Turkey's economy <laughs> at a time when it's experiencing 20, a 24-year high in inflation. And I think a lot of countries are experiencing that. Uh, rose by an annualized 7.6% in the second quarter. Uh, no one really thinks of Turkey as an economic powerhouse, but again, I'm trying, oh, they to, are. I'm trying to draw yeah. a distinction between yeah, yeah. Uh, our country, where things really aren't looking good, and foreign countries. Finally, the Russian economy. You know, we're going to destroy Putin yes. uh, because, uh, you know, we're going to sanction Sanctions. him. We're going to bring him to his knees. Mm. The Russian economy shrank a mere 0.4% in the first six months of 2022. But at the same time, this is the country, folks, that is facing the worst global sanctions uh, any country has ever faced. I forget the name of the system, the International Financial Payment System. Uh, it's, it's, it's something like Stripe or Stash or something. They threw Russia out of that. They didn't throw Saddam out of that system when he invaded Kuwait in 1990. I mean, that's how much the global homo, global homogenization, has decided that the new current thing, the new popular thing is to hate Putin. The economy only shrank 0.4% in the first six months. Capital investment in Russia, the international pariah that is Putin's Russia, capital investment rose by 7.8%. This is a sampling of three very different countries experiencing very different conditions, but actually faring quite well at a time when the United States, uh, arguably the wealthiest nation on earth, uh, just keeps shooting ourselves uh, in the foot over and over and over again. I just thought that was an interesting contrast, Eddie, those three countries versus Joe Biden's America. And that is your Wednesday data dump. There you go. 550, 50, 500. Thank you, Dowd, for that. We'll check in very quickly with uh, Murder Mike, by the way, who's going to check in with some details of Sunday night's uh, Valero gas station shooting as well as, and that was an officer-involved shooting, as well as uh, last night's uh, terrible tragedy at Giovanni's Pizza. Uh, Murder Mike, how are you? I'm doing very well, Eddie. Thank you very much. And I sounds like you're having a dynamite show for sure. And welcome back, Dowd. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I had you. to say that. And I, I have a little news item for you that I can tell you about later if we have time. But I'm going to go right to the this breaking news story that we first heard about uh, shortly after about 12. And approximately about 12.30, 12.45, Mexico State Police was dispatched to Del Norte High School. That's located at San Mateo and Montgomery. Reference a active shooter situation. Uh, when they, when I got there, I got there probably about two minutes after the state police did. Managed to get inside the perimeter, but was quickly rushed out. So I kind of was unable to get a lot of details and surrounding the situation, but there was probably, I'm, I'm guessing close to 50 units, uh, Eddie, when I sent you those pictures. Um, they did a room-by-room -room, uh, search of the school, and uh, it's reportedly that there was no injuries. However, I still have some questions about that. Um, but And at this point, from what I understand, there is no uh, suspects in custody. Uh, the scanner traffic, which, of course, as you know, we're limited, but we are, we are still able to hear the state police and SO and some other agencies, so we're able to still get some of the stuff out. Um, but the uh, school was cleared room by room. Uh, several classrooms with students in them 
uh, did uh, shelter in place. One, of course, was one room where the, there was deaf kids, and they were unable to understand orders that would be, would have been given by the officers searching the school. So that was, but everybody is, is okay. Uh, the scene was cleared probably maybe an hour and a half, two hours later. Montgomery is, has resumed normal traffic flow. Um, and again, no injuries were reported. And from what I understand, there was one, possibly two shooters involved. It occurred on the west end of Del Norte on the south side of the school at an entrance there. And that, that's uh, everything where students can load and unload. So that's pretty much the details on the on the Del Norte situation. Okay, very quickly last night, the um, uh, details you got on the, uh, the uh, murder of uh, Mr. Zito. Rosario Zito, the owner of Giovanni's. He's the best pizza in town since 1988. Go ahead. That's correct. And it's one of the most, it's world-renowned pizza. I mean, everybody in the world's heard of it. Yeah. And um, from my scanner traffic at 9.25 p.m. last night, uh, AFR was dispatched to the 900 block of San Pedro Southeast, reference a shooting. And so at that point, the, the traffic went silent. I was unable to get any more information yeah, from the, the scanners. That, the details they have is, uh, and the, I've already read the report uh, as well, but the long and the short of it is the guy was camping basically outside, walks up on the guys um, as one of the workers of Mr. Zito, as well as uh, Mr. Zito himself hanging outside, basically stated, do you want to play? I'm, I'm, he held him up at gunpoint saying that he was going to rob him. Um, you know, Rosario's not going to do that. Uh, and he said, yeah, we're, we're going to play. And basically he went for his gun in his car, uh, I guess not quick enough. He is a concealed carry guy, a very certified good guy, by the way, uh, long story short, they, they had it out and, uh, we've had a criminal on the street. The, the criminals brought in 27 year old, uh, forget the guy's name, uh, on the front of this. Sylvan. Yeah. Sylvan. Yeah. I looked at um, his Facebook and everything that's in there and apparently he was out on probation uh, he's had a long, lengthy history. Uh, we'll include that in the, the notes uh, as well tomorrow. But just a sad thing. I don't want to get into any more of the details on that. Uh, it's almost right, right. It almost gets. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it gets. Um, anyway, and then finally, uh, quick, quick. You got uh, twenty seconds on Valero. Okay, at the Valero Sunday night at uh, at eleven fifteen, there was an officer involved shooting at the Valero station at Coors and Quail. That's in the Ventana Ranch neighborhood. Yep. Evidently, the uh, no, Coors and Quail and, is, uh, is near I forty, but yeah, uh, he was sleeping in his car. Oh, okay, I, Mike, I got to run. I got to hit the brake. It's a got a, got got a hard one. I appreciate you, you uh, coming in, and we're still working on getting you a scanner. Uh, it looks like it may be hopefully any day. It looked more positive today. Back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva. We'll pick it up from there. Uh, got a little bit derailed today because of the uh, entire hour spent on Jacob Candelaria. Back at three. The Rock of Talk. Yeah. This Megadeth was in uh, in town. You, you like a little Megadeth. 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 Five-finger death punch. Poof. <laughs> they love that. 
love Uma Thurman, as you know. Everyone knows that. I mean, the cruel tutelage of Pai Mei. Pai Mei. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Great movies. Whatever happens to the only great movies that are out there. Okay, so I think we have to uh, talk about this inflation poll, front page of the Albuquerque Journal, and then the opportunity that's in front of uh, Republicans. I think we're going to repeat part of what we talk about today, tomorrow, because I'm going to preface this by reading the letter that I wrote a bunch of Republicans today, okay? And then tomorrow we'll delve a little bit deeper in into this. And, you know, what happened to me, I don't want to happen to Mark Ronchetti, but most of all, I don't want us to continue to elect the same types of people. I mean, you're getting what you're getting and you gotta be happy, unhappy with it because I know that I am. So let me, um, this is a letter that I penned a little bit earlier today because oh, so much stupidity out there, doubt. I don't know what to say about it. I don't know what to say except this. I said, greetings. Uh, since, la- since we last spoke and I wrote this to, I don't know, 280 Republicans. I saw a nice uh, blast that just came through from the former BC GOP chair, who, in my opinion, is better than, uh, even though she hates me. Well, everybody hates me. But you don't know anybody unless you hate Eddie Aragon. There's I a hate, whole website for it. I, I hate, hate Eddie, Eddie <laughs> We got to set up I hate Dowd Muscadot. Yeah. Um, people in my family would voluntarily work in some, some, some people in my family uh-huh. voluntarily contribute. Greetings. Since we last spoke, the owner, Rosario Zito, owner of Giovanni's Pizzeria, was gunned down in front of his store last night in Ward 19. He was a spirit, but uh, he was a spirited man, friend, and a good person. I was on the scene last night. We're at 105 murders in Albuquerque, but the larger score is the number of times that the Republican Party has lost in elections, and you guys are hard at work again. I remember I'm addressing the Republican Party faithful, the people who are operating in the BC GOP. They're an embarrassment. These guys are an absolute embarrassment. You've got to get new blood in there. We've got to get younger people, better people. Yeah. You got to, and you got to get rid of the the old how do you do is a controlled opposition, by the way. We've only had the House 84 of the last 90 years and the governorship maybe 20 out of the last 90. Is that about right, Dad? Yep. I, don't, I don't know. We've had the best chance to win the governorship since we lost it back in 2018. The Albuquerque Journal wrote about five seats that the Republicans can win in this cycle. That's great news. Yeah, those registrations, those look good. They look good. Said represent. That's that's good. Lost my place here. Come on. But you guys are hell bent on supporting people outside of our party, much like you did during the mayoral election, which uh, is absolutely ridiculous. When so many of you just decided to support Manny, my suggestion to you is the following: get only behind Republicans or leave the party. I'm sure the irony of this is that you will tell me that the same Republicans that I am telling you to support are the same Republicans that didn't support you, Eddie. I said, you know what? I don't care. But I do care very much that you support only Republicans in this cycle, 2022, or we are done as a state. The latest installment are the events where many Republicans are going to be involved with people who are not supporting our candidate or have their own personal political ambitions. There are a catty group of people in the party that are helping David Clements and Karen Bedoni. Karen shouldn't be Karen shouldn't be in the race. More on that uh, in the upcoming week. She has zero business, in fact, in the race. And given that she was participating in the Republican primary and gave a speech at our state convention in January, sore loser laws should apply to her, but they don't. She bailed. I will let the following screenshots speak for themselves. Although I appreciate David Clements' work with Mike Lindell. 
I do not think he should be part of anything organized at our facilities or with any of our caring, card-carrying Republicans. I'm attaching all of the screenshots. I hope that you consider getting every single vote, donation, support that you are for Mark Ronchetti and every and any Republican on the ticket this fall. I mean that. David Clements is supporting Karen Bedoni, and moreover, he's advocating violence, question mark, and his missives to followers and friends, the attached. Bedoni has raised $4,000. Bedoni is having to restate her campaign finance reports. This is very interesting. I know, Dowd, you'll have an interest in, in all of that. <clears throat> Although I appreciate David Clement's work with Mike Lindell, I do not think that he should be part of anything organized at our facilities or any of our card-carrying uh, Republicans. I'm attaching all the screenshots, and I hope that you consider every single vote, donation, support to Mark Ronchetti, and every and any Republican and ticket on this list. Uh, David is supporting Karen Bedoni. Moreover, he's advocating violence, question mark, and his missus to follow her in France. See attached. Bedoni has raised $4,000. Bedoni is having to restate her campaign finance report. Karen is a problem, and the latest polls indicate that her 5% is enough to give Michelle another four years. In fact, if you support Karen, you are basically supporting our current governor. Karen is known for giving a speech where she stated that she spoke at the very same event where Michelle Lujan Grisham did. Please disseminate the enclosed, make others aware, and, let Ron, and let's sell Ron Ketty and the Republicans for the sake of our children in this state. Vote for anyone besides Mark is a vote for our current situation. <clears throat> One last thing. Jay McCluskey represented a number of wins on the city council, and as far as I can tell, led the way for statewide wins for governor, Supreme Court, Secretary of State, and we have a good chance to win <clears throat> these five rep seats in Santa Fe. I would hope that you would get on board and support the Republican candidate regardless of who their consultant. At least he's been successful. Can't say the same for this party either within the county or statewide, so I urge you to jump on board. I mean, honestly, how can you listen to a man who is a professor, where now, I don't know where he is, a professor, I don't think he is anymore, who can't even spell the most important political consultant's name? I bet he can spell controlled opposition. I bet he has a lot of friends right in this email. Let's win, please, unless you want four more years of her. I don't even say it. So I think I spoke my piece, which I thought was, uh, very important, uh, Dowd, yep. to get out. Now, let me um, tell you what I disseminated, I think, more importantly. Uh, and I think it's important that I got this out. <clears throat> uh, immediately, I got a response from John um, Jones, who's husband to uh, Janice Arnold Jones. And I know they have a soft spot for um, young David Clements. So I attached the Michelle Lujan Grisham 47%, Mark Ronchetti 40% uh, poll from Sanderhoff this weekend. Here's a write-up from David Clements on his, I guess, Facebook page. I don't know. I don't even know what Facebook looks like anymore. Uh, this was sent to me. Here's an inconvenient truth. Dominion was brought into New Mexico under Republican Governor Susanna Mar uh, Martinez's administration and Republican SOS Diana Duran. If you are wondering why the state GOP doesn't appear interested in real election integrity, because they helped create the problem. We are talking about the Uniparty. Jay McCluskey, he spells it with a K, was Susanna's right hand and political strategist during her election. I don't think I don't think Clements knows who he's messing with. Like I like I don't think you know what you're dealing with there, bro. <laughs> really stupid. Jay McCluskey is current GOP gubernatorial candidate, Mark Ronchetti's political strategist. Ronchetti was selected this past June. There is a club, folks. 
and you ain't in it. You and I ain't in it. Ronchetti and Wuhan Grisham are cut from the same cloth. I'd take a strong look at Karen Bedoni for New Mexico governor if I were you, just my two cents. So obviously I'm not happy about that. And the reason why I fired off this letter is apparently this is no longer the case. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know when or who pointed the finger, who gave the uh, Bernalillo County Republican Party office. That's where they were having this uh, event for David Clements. The Bernalillo County GOP presents Standing in the Gap, a documentary about elections, corruption's faith, and how to restore confidence in elections going forward, followed by a presentation on several New Mexico cast vote records and what auditors have found with special guests, Professor David Clements and Aaron Clements. Why, why would this Bernalillo County GOP have a guy like that who's endorsing Karen Bedoni at the office. Does that even make sense? And I know you don't care about party politics. No, I just think simple common sense would, I think, dictate that you don't what? make that call. I mean, <laughs> Someone said, why'd you run when I said brains? I thought you said trains. <laughs> Standing in the Gap, a documentary film. It's not about political affiliations. It's about exposing fraudulent elections. Film discusses what it takes to provide solutions in our community and state. Well, obviously, I use what you think. Film viewing and Q&A with David Clements, J.D., Surprised he didn't put ESQ. Special guest speaker, Karen Bedoni at the New Mexico gubernatorial candidate will further address election integrity and voter fraud. Saturday, September 3rd, 1030 to 2, Special Collections Library, Bots Hall, Central Avenue, blah, 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 standing in the gap film, BedoniTuff.com. Adverti literally advertising just two hours before another event directly with Karen Bedoni. I, I don't know what else I need to say. Okay. And then. Just to make things look weird, this was from Trapezoid of Discovery at Get Innocuous. Uh, this was fired off, and I guess this is a Twitter or Telegram or one of those, one of those things. David Clements, who is now involved in an election audit in Otero County, decided today would be a good day to double down on the bloodthirst and endorse firing squads and hangings. Here's David Clements. I endorse firing squads when the crime of treason has been committed. Firing squads have my full, total, and unwavering endorsement, exclamation mark. I'm a fan of rope for certain purposes related to the crime of treason too. It's official. I endorse rope. There it is. So, uh, and you know, rounding up all those people to do that kind of stuff. It's just, just bad form all the way around. So, um, anyway, I guess, uh, clear heads have prevailed. Uh, the thing is done. I got a, an email from, uh, John Jones, uh, directly. I was on an email there and he said, uh, no longer at that facility it has been redirected. And someone at someone after defending, Hey, why do you have to be so negative? Uh, Steven something or other, uh, basically came out and said, uh, why do you have to be so negative? And never, Oh yes, we found another facility. Well, good. Why do you even care in the first place? I mean, if the Republican party cared about election integrity, uh, they'd have been working on it right from the very beginning. We'd had those results from, Janice Arnold Jones on what she was working on more than two years ago, but we never got it. I wonder why. Back after a quick break, when we return, we're going to play a little something for you. Diana, 25, 25th anniversary, right here in the Kiva. Something interesting. Very interesting. Kiva, 
pretty good show. Interesting hour. I hate to waste that much time on anything, but I'd rather spend all three hours on a wonderful human being. Uh, couldn't say enough good things. I remember where I was when I watched her wedding. I remember as a kid. I remember where I was when I heard the news on August 31st, 1997, when she lost her life in uh, Paris. Princess of Wales, she undertook her duties on behalf of the Queen and represented her at functions across the Commonwealth. And uh, here's the rest of the story brought to you exclusively here in the Kiva. And we'll provide the link uh, as we have already to all of our subscribers. Don't forget to subscribe directly at rockoftalk.chat. Twenty-five years ago, Princess Diana's car crashed inside the Pont de la Alma tunnel in Paris, France. Her lover, Dadi Fayed, died upon impact along with the driver. And even though Diana survived, it took about 40 minutes to get her from the car to the ambulance. The official story was that they were trying to free her from the car. But several witnesses say that Diana was conscious and unobstructed. Photographs show that the back seat of the car was undamaged and witnesses were pleading with the police to open the door and help her. Once in the ambulance, it took about 40 minutes for them to choose a hospital. And when they finally set off, the ambulance drove at a snail's pace and made several stops, taking about 40 minutes to drive less than four miles. Doctors were turned away. Witnesses were strip searched. Cameras were confiscated. No evidence was gathered. No blood samples were taken. And by 3 a.m., the entire scene was sprayed down with high-pressure water hoses. Mercedes wanted to study the wreckage to see why it failed so badly, but they were denied. Diana's body was taken by the royal family, who had her reproductive organs removed before burying her remains. All 17 cameras along the route of the crash were mysteriously turned off, and all radio police frequencies went down. Witnesses were assaulted and threatened, and there was no investigation, not until the inquest 10 years later, which is when most people learned that Diana had penned a note in 1996 saying that someone was going to kill her in a car accident. This note was concealed for six years. At the inquest, experts agreed that Diana would have survived if they had gotten her to a hospital but the blame was put upon a military-style attack. According to witnesses, a group of motorcycles, along with a white Fiat Uno, worked in concert to crash the car. First, with a blinding flash of light, followed by an explosion from the front tire of the Mercedes. During the inquest, a former MI6 agent described being shown the very same plan in 1992 for a possible MI6 assassination of Slobodan Milosevic and claimed it was MI6 who killed Diana. Because of all this, the inquest ended with the verdict of unlawful killing, blaming her death on the mysterious military hit squad. But the mainstream media spun the entire thing to make it sound like it was the paparazzi that caused her to crash which is demonstrably false. And while there was no investigation into finding the members of this military hit squad, three years later, the alleged driver of the white Fiat, who had ties to MI6, reportedly committed suicide after being found shot twice in the back of the head and burned inside of his car. 
During the inquest, many things were kept from the jury, such as the fact that Diana's seatbelt was found to be defective and evidence of the car being sabotaged. Interestingly, these things would have brought more suspicion towards Dottie's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who, after turning down repeated offers from the French government to provide security, was solely responsible for Diana's security detail. And at the last minute, had them leave their security detail in front of the hotel as a decoy and take a different car, a car that was recently stolen, broken, repaired, and never checked by security. Left with only one security guard, they were also assigned a new driver. Henri Paul, who had no chauffeur permit, was tied to foreign intelligence services, was seen on camera signaling to someone just before setting off, had received over 50,000 francs the day of the crash. And this was all under the watch of Mohammed Al-Fayed, who was deeply connected to the intelligence community. He was business partners with one of Lee Harvey Oswald's handlers and represented the grandfather of Mohammed Atta. But none of that was mentioned during the inquest. Instead, with the help of pop culture agents such as Howard Stern and Piers Morgan, Mohammed Al-Fayed has provided the world with the cover story that Diana was pregnant with Dottie's child and Prince Philip had her killed because he's racist, which seems like a strange cover story. That is, if you don't realize that the entire thing was a satanic ritual. Rituals are meant to be witnessed and the death of Diana is steeped in satanic ritual. The royal family, originally known as the Sachs Coburg Gotha bloodline, changed their name to Windsor to sound more British. Their inbred family is traced back to Vlad the Impaler, otherwise known as Dracula. And with several proud Nazis in the family, including Prince Philip, the royal family is obsessed with pagan ritual and all things occulted. According to the carefully planned breeding of royal bloodlines, the marriage between Diana and Charles was for the Merovingian ancestry of Lady Diana to be seeded into the royal family. Diana was well aware of this and referred to herself as the Windsor Broodmare. They were married at St. Paul's Cathedral, owned by the royal family and built upon the site of a Roman temple dedicated to the goddess Diana. According to occult beliefs, the goddess Diana was Lucifer's consort, and on August 13th, 1313, they produced a magical daughter named Aradia. In Freemasonry, this same trio is known as Osiris, Isis, and Horus. This same ritual is shown in the Roman Polanski film, Rosemary's Baby, where the innocent virgin is unknowingly recruited by a satanic cult to mate with Lucifer and spawn a child. After the birth of Prince William, Diana became a threat to the family. She had major influence and used it to shine a light on the family's powerful interests, such as the endless war machine. Her life was being threatened and she told several friends that the family was going to kill her. Less than a month before her death and after a series of affairs, Diana started seeing family friend Dottie Fayed. And on August 31st, the satanic ritual sacrifice date for the goddess Diana, Diana of Wales was driven out of the way past an ancient Egyptian obelisk and into a tunnel named in dedication to the goddess Diana. Inside this tunnel, Diana's Mercedes crashed into the 13th pillar, 
where she was kept to bleed to death above a known ancient Merovingian underground chamber for the ritual blood sacrifice worship to the goddess Diana. This is the religion of the world's elite. Prince Philip said he would like to be reincarnated as a deadly virus to wipe out humanity. His underling, Maurice Strong, co-founded the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. And Prince Charles, who brags of being related to Dracula, co-founded the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Initiative. These are the leaders of the so-called New World Order. These monsters are the best that they have. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, there you go. Uh, Be weep, it's all up there. You'll, if you want to watch the video with all the information, you can only get it. Uh, well, you can go find it if you want, or just get all the links from our great show at rockoftalk.chat. Uh, I'm getting a lots of uh, text about the SWIFT banking system. SWIFT. Dad was talking about the yeah. SWIFT banking system. Yep. What, what is that again? Uh, some kind of international system that they cut Russia out of it to make payments across international borders. I mean, they did, they've done everything they can short of bombing Russia. But then again, we've given Ukraine so many weapons that they are killing a lot of Russians. And I don't think Ukraine maybe deserves the kind of support that we've been giving. Karen Bedoni is being used. I like her, but she can only give MLG the win. I wish she could see that her new friends are only using her. She would withdraw and endorse Ron Kitty. I will give her my vote next time. I have sent this message to her email, but I fear these new friends aren't allowing her to reason. She doesn't listen to anybody, folks. Oh my gosh, Eddie, I've never heard of this about Diana. It's so dark and too hard to believe. No more darker than what's happening to our country. Have a good evening. Yep. Your top five is brought to you every morning in the Kiva, as uh, you can find by becoming a subscriber directly at rockoftalk.chat. He's back, everybody. And boy, your politicians are going to be in trouble. Dow, take it away. <laughs> yeah, number one most clicked item in the Daily Blast today, folks. Santa Fe announcing it will no longer deprioritize the clearing of encampments. Uh, I think the translation is we're going to take a little tougher tack with the homeless in our community. Is that what they're saying? Yep. Maybe seems to uh, Number two, source, New Mexico. Uh, again, our Austin Fisher, our soy boy, the New Mexico, New Mexico's governor and thousands of New Mex Mexicans are testing positive for COVID. It's uh, terrible. It's never going to end. Uh, number three, interesting report. Gun companies, including many that were formerly based in my native Connecticut, going to red states, moving their operations. Why, why, why would you want to flee blue states and go to red states? Uh, number four, down in Silver City, uh, Western New Mexico University, solar panels you are paying for or going you. to offer shade and sustainability. Uh, number five, Bernalillo County installs a kiosk at the Alvarado Square for deposits in the prison inmates' accounts. Ah. Um, another sign of the apocalypse in New Mexico. There it is, folks. And you got all the links if you're a subscriber before the show. I'll go ahead and uh, podcast after the show, give you my final thoughts. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Back bright and early tomorrow for Thursday, 4 p.m., right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, FN, and, of course, rockoftalk.com. That's rockoftalk.com and rockoftalk.chat.